now, these pilots will shake the foundations of the Alliance and change the course of history. Mission accepted. Welcome to the show that's hotter than Trey's hand in a dice game. That's right. Gundam at MAHQ. That's a hot hand, dude. Let me tell you, man. That man is the embodiment of the hot hand. But anyway, this Until is so... Until he meets Leonard Washington. <laughs> I'd like to see that dice or game. Or Ashy right Larry. Him and, him and Larry, Larry and Leonard Washington. Trey's would, Trey's would scoop them all, man. Nothing but sevens in the Where list. are you from? Where are you from, Leonard Washington? I'm from... Who gives up? <laughs> Well, um, oh, I'm sorry. Welcome to uh, the big episode 2-0. That's right. We finally reached episode 20. I know, I know some, I know, I know you some nerdwells were thinking we wouldn't make it past 10, but hey, here we in, are. In Canada, we're legal to drink. Hey, in man. America, it's only one more episode. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, in here, four episodes, um, we can rent a car. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But um, this is a uh, sober review. One of your hosts of Gundam, along with uh, Neil Lornok and Chris. And our special guest from the Great White North, That's everybody give it up to him, him, the the man, the myth, the legend, the pedo bear. Yeah, pedo bear. I'm not pedo bear, I am a char. <laughs> there you go. A creepy char. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, when you... I'm <laughs> Hello. <laughs> when you're trying to equate one or the other and say, I'm not pedo bear, I'm char, I don't really know which one is worse and which one is better. Yes, because it's a losing battle. Yes. Besides, you, you're already, you already known in, in the Florida circle as Canadian pedo bear, so that, that's that's just stuck with you. You've been yes. branded. Like Italian Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or Puerto Rican Batman. There's actually a, there was actually a, a sorry, before oh, we go in there, there's actually a, a, a guy in Orlando dressed up going to kids shows as Puerto Rican Batman. <laughs> And he's Batman, but he's he's definitely Puerto Rican. Do, do not want. Just saying, Puerto <laughs> Rican Batman. Is it and Puerto Rican been... Batman or New Yorkian Batman? New well, I, I didn't really ask him, but I, I kind of call him Puerto Rican Batman because oh. he pretty much looked, looked Puerto Rican. Well, darn. <laughs> well, is, no, he, is, he, a... is he Pedio Bear Gundam or Destiny Gundam? You decide. The more you know. I'm certainly not Peter <laughs> File, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on this episode of Gundam, we're we're definitely um we are discussing well, we're we're continuing the Gundam Roundup, of course, with um the seventh installment. The seventh installment, man. We finally made it to Gundam 0083, War of the Carrots. I mean, I'm sorry, um Stardust Memory. Or Carrot um, Memory. The 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 Telltale Saga of Cole Rocky. We know we, we know we love that guy. Um but um <laughs> <laughs> also, before that, we discuss, um, we have an anime spotlight. Yes, that's right. We're bringing it back on uh, Metal Armor Dragonar. And uh, last but not least. If, we, if, if there's a segment that you want to see Soul Bro speak the less <laughs> or the least, that's the one. That's the, same, oh my. that's the one we fired him in. Oh, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, he, 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 we hired him back on the next episode, <laughs> the next <laughs> segment. We'll fire him again. Sweet deal. 
I could use the vacation. <laughs> but um, no, I'm playing. Um, last but not least, we also go into we also continue our discussion about the anime industry, um, going into um, how this how the latest changes in the industry are going to affect mecha anime, as well as talking about the latest developments that have gone on since we first touched upon the subject. But um, awesome. before we continue, um, we have of course. Oh, listen to that! Oh my God! We have Neo's news. Hit him with it, Neo. Well, the first story is this is going to hit Neo's news pretty hard. And <laughs> it's um, well, uh, unfortunately, I'm on the, the inside. <laughs> un- un- unfortunately, um, one of our new sponsors, uh, Ganoda, uh, they're going to end their run as of August 31st. And um, they, if you go to their website, which is at aeug.blogspot.com, dot org or dot com. Dot, dot com. Dot, dot, Don't you dot know com. by now? No, I, I have. Why are you screwing up at the very end? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I'm the I'm the reason why they ended, but. Uh, <laughs> oh no. But uh, no, things seem like they went they went pretty good until I started saying I get my news from these guys and I was like oh, it's but um no, th- I guess that makes Neo the Titan. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> the flushing sound you hear. But um, they actually uh, the 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 two hosts of the Blogspot, uh, uh, RGZ and uh, Neo Era, they actually give a quick discussion of um, you know some of the reasons why of the discontinuation discontinuation of the of the site so um um you know we just i just want to thank them for you know even before we did gundam i used to go there you know i didn't realize they were out for five years so i I think i've been going there pretty much since the onset maybe a a year or two after but um you know i just want to thank those guys for all the things that they did and you know you know actually you know they just weren't just a gundam site they were kind of like a mecha site and they would you know, just give us all these great little fun facts of things that were going on in, in Japan and whatever. So, um, you know, I just want to thank those guys and, and, and wish them well for their future endeavors. And, you know, I, I hope everything kind of, you know, come, you know, works out for those guys. Um, Chris, uh, as uh, as the headmaster of MHQ, do you have anything to say on this? Or The, the headmaster of the MHQ Academy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. You're... you're just get you a uh, just get you a wheelchair and uh, telepathic ability, and you <laughs> and, and shave my head and get a nice exactly accent. that too. You'd really be the bold wizard now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as, as no, someone I mean, who was visiting Ganoda, you know, when it was still in the uh, the testing phase before they even started, you know, uh, going public, and and someone who's been plugging them since day one, you know, of course I'm sad to see them go because they were a a valued source for news, and it's always a shame to see another gun website just uh, disappear into the ether, but. You know, uh, as a webmaster, I definitely understand, you know, life gets in the way and, you know, situations change. And, you know, I just reinforces how lucky I consider myself that after eight years, I'm still able to do MHQ when, you know, most people don't make it that far. So um, you know, I wish Neo and RGZ the best. They've been longtime members of the MHQ community. They're not going anywhere. They'll still be hanging around in our IRC channel. So. You know they'll they'll still be doing their own thing, just not with uh, Ganoda. But uh, the torch will be continued by, you know, others. You know, someone else will take up the call. So there will be Gundam news out there. It's just uh, going to be somebody else doing it. Yeah. So. And Neo lifting it from there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. 
Yes. The leeching will continue. He'll yes. kill the next one even faster than this. <laughs> they, yeah. Suck it dry until it's a lifeless how, husk. How, how long was your sight around? Oh, five, uh, five months. Uh, I just killed one that was five years old in a year. <laughs> No, but uh, uh, no, I, I, I just like to thank them for, you know, allowing me to kind of, you know, you know, basically take off a lot of their, their uh, articles and, you know, and, you know, I mainly did it just really to give them, you know, traffic to their website because I, I thought they were probably the best around when it came to stuff. So we, we kind of do this in jest, but I don't think I'm a website killer. Not yet. <laughs> It's just one, so You're just a killer. No, <laughs> but um, yeah. So Sobro, any Sobro, any closing thoughts on um, the end of an era here with um, Gonoda? Definitely sad to see Gonoda go. Um, I know a lot of people will pick up the torch though, but I think those guys. I think I think the the both for their service of um, going through the trouble of translating a lot of stories are are, are just you know you know just doing what they could to um to get the news out there for different things and. I, you know, I always used to, I used to, ch you know, check a note on a regular basis. Um, I just hadn't this weekend. I find out the week that I don't really use the internet much that they went down, like right here a few minutes ago. Uh, I, I was, I, I'm just finding out the news like shortly before we record the segment, and he, I'm, he I'm, is I'm freaking on broken final hearted. warning, folks. <laughs> we put Silver on. Silver's so been living in a cave this whole week, so he didn't know. Oh yeah, <laughs> he literally was, was living in a cave out in in the, the outback. <laughs> Australian. Oh, yeah. Good day, mates. <laughs> anyway, share with um, <laughs> Exactly. It is I, I, <laughs> I um I wish I wish the I wish the I wish the Ganoda gang the, all the best, and I hope to converse with them sometime in the future. Peter, any any last words or any any things you can say to the guys at Ganoda? Or? They shall be missed. That is for certain. Well, he is very Canadian. He's very blunt, and he's very. To the point. So, unfortunately, the the news has to move on, and you know, like you know, like we said, we we hope that these guys can maybe join us one one of these days on um, you know future segments of Gundam with some of their knowledge because they were definitely um, knowledge keepers in that point. But don't fear, Neo's news is not going anywhere because I have found another site. Thankfully, by the thing of God, and it's not the only thing that I look at, folks, but. Um, um, there, we actually have a new site, and I like to plug that one for everybody, gunofnews.net. And I know that is done by a few of the folks at the MHQ community. Chris, do you know who they might be offhand? Uh, that would be uh, Deacon Blues. Okay. Cool. And uh, I don't think he called me ill-informed, or he hasn't said anything bad about me yet. So yet. We can definitely... Don't worry, it's coming. We can definitely do that. But I have some, you know, um, I encourage everybody that was... Um, fans of Kanoda to, uh, you know, to support this website and, you know, let these guys know of, um, you know, because they're doing their best to kind of, you know, continue on the tradition there. So um, I got a few stories from them because they're still pretty new, but um, I guess on the uh, Gundam 00P, which is the, um, the manga, uh, oh, no. manga stories of 00, there's some new character files that came on there. There's a they added them for three characters, uh, a grave, Balalanto. Violento. Violento, and a Hixar for me, and a Chaya Acusta, Kusaka. So uh, basically, they are all, all three of them are some pilots, so I definitely would encourage you to go to GundamNews.net to uh, check and see what, what these guys are up to. 
Uh, they've also uh, added some double uh, OP mechanical stuff. Uh, one is the Gundam Marcel, and basically, it's one of the cutting edge units from Celestial Being, and its name originates from one of the seven archangels with the title of the Realm of Spirit Secrets in the Angel Supreme Mystery. It's a Gundam made in order to actively go to locations where data collection is difficult. It kind of sounds like the D3 and the Dragonar. Mystery! So, so I guess that hopefully it doesn't have that goofy head like the D3 had. Oh, and there is also to mhq.net to see the line art. Not yet, but I just love that shameless plug that I just made. <laughs> Always, if there's any question on any of the line art or any of the character bios or any of the um, anime series that we speak about, you can always find great synopsis, great cutting edge, fair and balanced um, synopsis on those at mhq.net. And um, to kind of round out the double uh, O P uh, mecha file, we they've also had some line art and some in information about the GN Safner. It's basically the proto GN arms, and it's actually this is actually the Jewish mobile suit because uh, uh, proto comes from the word book. So it is. Uh, it, it'll probably cut you in half and then probably steal some of your money. Oh. Oh. oh! oh! I can say that I'm part Jewish. It's not a big deal. <laughs> not a big deal, folks. But um, there's also some random tidbits that we got here. Uh, I guess Happy Net put some. There's a, that Gundam Meisters game that we talked about on that's going to be on the PS2. They put some more um, screenshots of the Gundam Exia and I guess the Strike Freedoms in it and, <laughs> and the GN Arms. With the dynamis is in there too. We're talking so about I, Strike I, Freedom, dude. I I'm just you're reading mixing, what I'm seeing you're here. Mixing it up with Gundam Muso too. No, I'm not. Mm -mm. I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading what I'm reading here. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gundam Muso two is no, I'm not. I'm sitting there looking at it. But um, no, Gundam Muso two. I guess there is going to be. And Silver, did you buy the first one? Yeah, yeah, Gundam I, I, I Dynasty, own Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty Warriors. Well, guess Gundam. what? There's going to be Gundam Dynasty Warriors too. Oh my goodness! So, be, based on your purchase, there's going to be another one here. Well, you know what? Thank you, Bandai, so. and and Koei, most importantly. <laughs> Are you still thanking so. Bandai for not bringing out that mobile apps for the uh, Xbox 360 you bought for that game? Oh, you know what? My, since my 360 right now has the red ring, I, I'm, I'm on 360 hiatus forcefully. <laughs> How sad! No, not really. I know, Don't but if uh, if <laughs> If you go to the, uh, uh, the official, problem. <laughs> it's got other problems. If you go to the uh, <laughs> the official website for Gundam Musai 2, it's going to have a special movie on there, and it's also going to have some other things. Um, some of it dealing with the some special content from the uh, the voice actor of Armoro. So um, you know, you know, if you're kind of interested in that, and I guess. Gundam Dynasty Warriors 2 will be in North America in 2009. Cool. Now, it just said North America. It didn't say America. It said North America. It's supposed to have mobile armors in it, too. Like, um, I think I saw a screenshot with the, with the new Zeal, but I'm not sure. And All, I all of what Solbro is saying, I can't confirm. I saw one with Cycle Gundam, Gundam News. I can say that. doesn't have it, and that's yeah. the only place I get my news. Well, then, so, darn. Yeah. But they're, they're well, going to be our Bro's a well liar anyway, so. <laughs> well, then me and, me and Kotaka will just stay delusional. 
Apple Talk was <laughs> also a well-known lying site. Oh, but um, every also on, uh, not MHQ is all full of lies. Well, I, but also on the Gundam Muso Two or the Gundam Dynasty Warriors Two website, there is going to be a trailer for the game. Um, so definitely check that out. Cool. And I'm sure we'll be bringing more stuff for you in the future. And it was a little light this time, and I know part of it is because episode 18 hasn't come out or 19 hasn't come out, but. <laughs> Um, well, it will by the some, time that this episode comes out. So much <laughs> well, I hope. I hope. Oh, but, um, but some of these <laughs> too funny. <laughs> but uh, some of my listeners submitted topics. I only had one this time, and uh, I just like to thank uh, Wingnut on the M8 on the Mecha Talk forums for giving me the submission here. And uh, the, the title is actually "Can Evangelion Bread Ranks Top at Anime Center." <laughs> And I guess at the Tokyo Anime Center in Akihabara, uh, they showed some their five the 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 five best selling products at that area. Right on. Well, how do you want to do this? You want to go from the top or from the bottom? You should go from the bottom up. Okay. All right. Definitely. Well, number five is more toilet paper from Dangerous Grandpa. It's a popular series that's found adaptations for various game systems like the DS and also has its own bleached paper roll with image imprints. Damn, where can I buy it? I have no clue what Dangerous Grandpa is, but um, uh, uh, Chris, uh, Solpro, Peter. When I envision Dangerous Grandpa, I envision some old dude beating somebody with his cane. I envision that, <laughs> I envision that, I envision that creepy guy and family guy. I envision Coach Kamigawa from, um, from Hajime no Ippo. Beating, beating his subordinates with his cane. Well, uh, Wikipedia has uh, Grandpa Danger. Oh, there you go. Yes. Um, an ongoing adventure manga published by Shogakukan uh, since December 2000. Series was adapted as a 51-episode anime. Mm-hmm. Which and- is licensed by Viz Media in North America as Grandpa Danger and a series of video games. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> well, are they going to bring the toilet paper over here? Because that's only 200 yen. You know, that's the next so. iron. That's just the, the you know, most obvious. Um, How old is that series? I've never heard of it. Uh, it aired about like four years ago. Four or 40? <laughs> <Wow. laughs> four. Well, just that the manga came yes, out in 2000. Four oh, years four. ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, any, yeah, that's that's the fifth bestseller at the Akihabara Tokyo Anime Center. It's nice. the toilet paper from Dangerous Grandpa. Wow, um, this number... dude's scary looking. <laughs> 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 number four, and we're going to just keep on uh, the, the road of the bathroom, uh, is the Gigi no Kataro toilet paper. Even more toilet paper this time with ghost designs by Miyazuki Shinagura. There's also a card included in the every roll of toilet paper. Sweet. So. Yikes. If I only knew what that was. <laughs> but uh, number three, and this is actually what uh, Wingnut actually had me. Um, this is the reason why he uh, actually had submitted it was the can nerve bread for 250 yen. It's. Uh, it's similar to the canned Evangelion bread. However, there is a sporting chocolate cover, and the um, 
the, the tins can be used as piggy banks after the bread has been removed. Man. So, once again, the Japanese actually, um, you know, That's showing us a way of... Sounds uh, instrumentally delicious. Yes. <laughs> and, and imagine this. Number two is the canned Evangelion bread for 525 yen. And it's made up of... <laughs> it, made, it made up equal sales figures compared to the toilet paper. And it's actually sharing first place if you take out the toilet paper, I guess. And uh, the camp took the theme of the Evangelion movie release last year, the, the redone ones, and uh, the bread comes in a strawberry flavor. Mm. And uh, this is an exclusive at the Tokyo Anime Center. Oh, I so Get me it, all the Evangelion fans out there, if you want the strawberry <laughs> bread, you must go to Tokyo. But I guess if you want stale chocolate bread, you could just buy it on the Internet. <laughs> and what if I want... <laughs> Japan. <laughs> Which one? What number? Uh, 57. 57 indeed, man. Mm. I want to die. We'll have to check on that one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the number one product at the Tokyo Anime Center is, imagine this, the blackjack toilet paper. And it is, <laughs> and that is for 200 yen, and it is still one hot seller. Is it? Basically. Blackjack is in Blackjack the Surgeon? Yes. Does it have the stitching paper of God? I don't know. It, it just says here, one would assume there are fans that would buy it for the security reasons on one hand, but security others, reasons. there might be people actually using it. Because I guess people either hate or love this show. So um, I do have to say, um, if you go to the Mecha Talk forums and the Neos News thread, that when Wingnut put this on here, there was actually a pretty witty retort by uh, Vent Noir. And he said, when he was talking about the uh, canned nerve bread, he said, at least it wasn't canned nerve OJ. So, <laughs> so uh, zinger there. But um, that's uh, kind of the, the sad and, you know. Well, for, for being such a short Neos News segment, this segment's going on pretty long. Yes. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, guys, we'll be back in just a few minutes with more Gundam at MAHQ. The goddamn robots, John! Striking out on finding your favorite manga, anime, or series merchandise nearby or online? Lost when it comes to finding pop music from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian markets? Well, then Florida Oriental Trading is here to help. If you live in the Central Florida area, head on over to the intersection of Colonial Drive and Mills Avenue near downtown Orlando. You'll find FOT right next to the CVS Pharmacy. For those who live abroad, find out more about our favorite store online at FloridaOrientalTrading.com or call them directly at area code 407-895-0650. FOT carries a large selection of merchandise such as art books, t-shirts, posters, wall scrolls, soundtracks, PVC figurines, models, and much, much more. Also, it's a great place to find imports of your favorite musical artists and the latest films from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian countries. Last but not least, Florida Oriental Trading is not only home to the best selection of anime on DVD in Central Florida, but there you'll find a wide variety of manga too. On top of that, all of their manga is always priced at 20 percent less than retail daily 20 percent that's right frank 20 percent 
Florida Oriental Trading is open every day except Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You even find them open most holidays. So if you're local, stop on by and visit Quan and Debbie or give them a call at area code 407-895-0650 and give them the business. Tell them Gundam at MAHQ sent you. Gundam! everybody welcome back to gundam at mahq it's been quite a while but we're going to do another anime spotlight on another classic mecha show this time uh mobile suit dragonar gundam i mean um metal <laughs> armor dragonar is that Freudian slip or uh <laughs> i don't know is it um you probably might have heard about Dragonar. We have uh, some some mecha profiles on on MHQ, and as a bit of background, it was a uh, sunrise show. It started up in 1987 after uh, after Zeta ended, and Sunrise kind of intended it to be the new cash cow franchise because they saw Gundam being pretty much over, and as history has shown us, that didn't quite happen. So, um, <laughs> interestingly. Uh, there's quite a bit of crossover in staff between uh, Gundam and uh, Dragonar. You've got a couple of voice actors from Double Zeta and Zeta showing up as the main characters. Uh, you've got Kunio Kawara doing the designs of the metal armors, and you've got, you know, some Gundamish elements. The the story very loosely, very loosely, is a, sort of a retread of the original Gundam show. Uh, but we'll get into that more in a minute. Um, Basically, Dragonar ran usual run, about 48 episodes, and, um, you know, didn't really set the world on fire, so it didn't become a franchise of its own, but it's had, you know, its longevity. There have been uh, kits for it, and it's shown up uh, a few times in Super Robot Force and another Century's episode, so it's still popular despite being just the one series. So basically, to get the ball rolling, I'll jump into a brief summary of the story. The uh, series takes place in 2087. You've got uh, people who live in space on space colonies. They call themselves the Lunar Empire of Giganos, and you've got the mm-hmm. Earth Federation. And not surprisingly, uh, the Giganos want their independence from the Earth Federation, and they launch a war of independence using uh, their humanoid metal armors that they've developed while the Federation has crappy space pod things. That sound familiar? Oh God! <laughs> and yeah. uh, part of the way that they uh, retaliate against Earth is they have a mass driver on um, the moon that's supposed to be used to send out supplies, but they reconfigured into a cannon which they mm-hmm. use to shoot uh, asteroids, meteors, right? asteroids yeah. into uh, to Earth. And uh, one of the places they attack in the opening scenes is Australia. Oh my God! Never seen that before. Oh my God! Yeah. What so, they ever do to anybody? I don't know. Uh, there's something that Sunrise just hates Australia. I don't know why. They, we'll have to ask one they of perp- our Australian fans. They purposely attacked Australia this time, not accidentally. Yes. Yeah. Purposely, yeah. They, they purposely. The weirdest yeah. thing you got this like, like little, poor little kid and his like little flock of sheep, and he's there, and these guys are trying to cross the road, and mm-hmm. suddenly this big old asteroid comes in and slams into Ayer's rock and blows everything up. Nice. This like this like the soldier and the girl in Macross. When, exactly. When, <laughs> Exactly like the soldier and the girl in Macross. Pretty much, oh, yeah. Man. It was very reminiscent of that. Good times. Yeah. 
So your story basically goes like this. You've got uh, three main leads, uh, Kane Wakaba, Tap Oceano, and Light Newman. And they're pretty much idiots. And, um, you know, they're... Yeah, that's, that's kind. <laughs> that's a kind description of them, perhaps, in, in some episodes. Uh, it, yeah. They're, they're military trainees, and uh, the colony they live on comes under attack from uh, the Giganos because uh, this Federation ship has uh, snuck in there, and they have these stolen prototypes called the Dragonars, the three Dragonar units. And through a series of convoluted events, these soldiers just end up conveniently chasing our three heroes all the way to the hangar where the three Dragonars are stored. Mm. So, as any uh, you know, youthful anime lead would do, the three of them jump into these three Dragonars, uh, which have the stupidest security system ever. Because once you, <laughs> once you say your name and like a, a login, that unit is permanently coded to you. Yours. Can never be used by anybody else. Oh, yeah, they man. have to like pretty much just rebuild it. Now I know where King Gainer gets it from. <laughs> oh. So. You know, with their powerful new Dragonars, they manage to repel the attack, and they join the crew of the Idaho, and they're journeying to Earth because they're trying to get, um, you know, these stolen Dragonar prototypes over to, um, you know, the Federation headquarters so they can be copied and mass-produced. So a whole bunch of things happen. You know, they, they encounter, um, you know, the ace of the Giganos Empire, uh, Mayo Plato, who's um, known as the Blue Hawk. <laughs> He's got this, all blue. Yeah, he's got these three little like dorks, the elitist dorks who uh, like are his his teammates, and and they basically worship the ground that he walks on because he's like the cool ace pilot. And you have all sorts of encounters between them. Eventually, uh, you know, the Dragonars get to Earth. The pilots transfer over to um, you know a new group, and they keep just having more battles with the Giganos on Earth. And uh, as you'd expect, the Earth Alliance eventually uh, mass produces the dragon r's into the dragoon which is sort of like the cheap knockoff and the tide starts to turn against the giganos at the same time you've got some internal turmoil with the giganos because uh their leader marshal giltor is assassinated by uh this ambitious officer named dorchanov who basically is just an asshole and aside from killing giltor he uh makes it look like uh Mayo Plato was the one who did it, which sends Mayo underground. And, not surprisingly, Mayo's sister, Linda, uh, she has been traveling with the heroes and basically is uh, Kane's love interest. That's and, uh, and kind of, uh, just to just kind of interject in this, Mayo and Linda are, imagine this, mm-hmm. blonde and good-looking. No! You've never seen the enemy enemy A speak blonde and good looking with a sister like that either. Oh my God! I was yes. envisioned he was ugly as all get out. No. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Just had nope. to. No problem. It's 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 good to note because nobody's ever done that before. Not at never all. seen it. Is never he, does he wear it. a tin helmet? <laughs> no. He doesn't. No. No. Oh. No, Darn. He, he wears all blue, and um, you see his face through the whole thing. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. You can you can continue. And he looks kind of like Gato, but we'll get to that later. Now, that is cool. (laughs) So, uh, you know, as you would expect in a mecha show, the Dragonars get uh, upgraded around halfway through the show into custom versions. And uh, the tide starts to turn against the Giganos on Earth with the Earth Federation using the Dragoons. And uh, the Dragonar team, they're forced to take on, for a very large chunk of episodes, uh, some rather trashy Giganos people. 
and uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Eventually, oh. the fight moves to space with this huge epic confrontation between the Federation and um, and the Gaganos, and the Gaganos have this massive uh, battle fortress that they plan to use, you know, as their ultimate weapon, and it comes down to a big old nasty battle, and guess who wins? But that's just very broad brushes, so why don't we get to some more specifics? Uh, Paul, you, you've seen the series, so what were your thoughts overall on, on Dragon Ball? Um... I'd have to say the besides you know just the whole character designs being very reminiscent of Zeta and Double Zeta and you know and noticing some of the um, as everyone knows I'm not too huge on voice actors but kind of noticing like wait this guy was from Double Zeta I actually went back to some of my Double Zeta things I'm like oh my god that's this was this person and, you know whatever but um, it was a pretty fun show because it had that sense of realism but the I mean, like you said, Cain, uh, Light, and Tap are just idiots, but they're, they're they're pretty lovable. I mean, you don't sit there, you don't get annoyed by them, you don't get, um, you know, you're not like, oh, you're so stupid. It's their their stupidity is what makes them successful in a lot of ways. The reason that they can kind of think in such weird ways is what makes them win. Mm-hmm. And I know Chris talked about the three um, the three wingmen for um, Mayo. Those guys are pretty much, they're the antithesis of Kane, Light, and Tap. They're like, if Kane, Light, and Tap went to the military and had, like, structure, it'd be those three guys. But those but, three um, guys are pretty stupid, too. They are oh, pretty stupid, yeah. Like the, um, well, no, they, they have that structure, though, because they, they, live, they live in the box. You know, they like, when we battle, we're going to do it this way. I remember one <laughs> of the battles where uh, Kane, Light, and Tap started not playing, not fighting fair. And these guys were like, you're not fighting fair. You should never hit a guy from behind. <laughs> and they're just like, wait a second. You know, this is, we, we just, I got to win, you know. But um, a really enjoyable show. Um, it does get a little serious, but it was kind of nice that they didn't do the whole, okay, we're going to be campy in the front. And then all of a sudden we're just going to become super serious at the last half. Even though, even at the last, the last episode, you're still having the campiness in there. You're still having... You know, these guys doing, you know, Kane's still, he's the lead guy, you know, he's still kind of acting the same way that he was, you know, he didn't become like, he became hardened, but he didn't become like a big hardened veteran, like what happens in a lot of these things. So the mood, so the mood in the show is consistent? It pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, I do agree with Chris, the part when they have to fight kind of, what is it, the Wedley team? The, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, Gonzim. When they had to fight those guys in the desert, that one went on a little too long because it was like... It was about a dozen there was, episodes. Yeah, it was... Um, there was like... What was it? Six? Five or six pilots that are like of this like kind of rough, tough brigade and they're like... This you know, they're like star style. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're you know, everybody's scared of them. And they're really yeah. weird. I mean, you've got this one guy who's this ugly freaking giant looking guy always running around with a yeah. gun shooting in the air you've got mm-hmm. this you know, psychopathic pretty boy looking guy you've got yep. sort of like hot chick who later switches sides and yet, oh, of course you know it's like <laughs> they keep fighting these ace pilots and then eventually it gets down to the point where it's like towards the end they're killing like one per episode then finally fighting yeah. gun gem and it's like the arc could have been like half of what it was but those 12 episodes yeah. really, really slow down the pacing. However, you know, once they move into space for the last start, it really picks up again. Yeah. 
Yeah, because the, these these five or six pilots became the monster of the week. Oh, nice! It was like the one would get killed, and the next episode, I'm going to avenge you for you know so and so's death, <laughs> and then he gets killed. Another domino drop. Now the funniest <laughs> death is I'd have to say though is the one guy that he was in the motorcycle mech and he got the top cut off, <laughs> or and he lost like half his hair. Yeah, he lost like the top yeah. of his hair. That was funny. <laughs> There's some pretty funny deaths. So, but um, I would have to say that once they get back into space, once again, I mean, uh, kind of the same in it. We've kind of seen the same story before, and you know, you got to kind of do some of these things. But um, uh, the the ending was pretty epic. Um, I'd have to say it was um, in some ways better than some Gundam endings. I would wow. have to say um, some of the other shows, not you know, not some of like. Yeah, I could. Or something I like could that. agree with that. And uh, yeah. you know, since even though we we made fun of you know some elements of of uh, Dragon Art being copied from the original series, um, it only uses them loosely and pretty early on starts diverging and telling yeah. its own very different story to the point that you know as far as like Gundam ripoffs go, I think it probably is is one of the best and certainly shows a lot more originality than say Seed does the way that Seed. You know, just mm-hmm. pretty closely followed the original series for the first half and then didn't start going to its own kind of different direction until more than halfway into it. You know, Dragonar only loosely has those Gundam elements and yeah. it's got, you know, very nice uh, 80s real robot mecha designs. Since we mentioned, uh, you know, the voice actor crossovers from Gundam, we should probably just briefly highlight it. Uh, mm-hmm. Kane is played by Eno from Double Zeta. Hey, tap the token black guy is played by Yazan. Yeah, and that was the one that that I had to listen to because I was like, I knew I knew Yazan always had yeah. soul. <laughs> and Light is played by the guy who did uh, Mashima and later Jamil. So uh, that aside, um, I think it's 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 a great show. And even though it's kind of goofy in the vein of Double Zeta, I found it more enjoyable because it doesn't. Yeah, there's no move moon in Aztec Space Ninjas, but by the same token, you know, Dragonar is starting fresh, so I don't mind that, you know, it's starting off kind of goofy because that's its own universe, just like L yeah. game is pretty, you know, lighthearted and kind of goofy, whereas Double Zeta, yeah. you know, was a really awkward fit following the original Gundam and Zeta, and then even halfway through Double Zeta, it starts going more serious, so, you know, Double Zeta had, like, tone inconsistency, but... It doesn't yeah. bother me at all at Dragon Art because, you know, the comedy I think is better in Dragon Art anyway. Yeah. You know, the yeah. stuff that happens in it, rather, you know, the idiotic antics of these three guys versus, you know, Bright Noah chasing chickens and, and <laughs> Gazan trying to, you know, chase pigs around a junkyard. And the, and the other thing about it too is the um, the characters are even though you know you can kind of say, well, this is this is the Armro character, this is the Shar character, this is the Sela character, they still kind of Ident- they still kind of established their own identity. Like, we were kind of joking about Mayo and his sister Linda. It's Char and Sela. They're both on either side of the fence and, you know, whatever. But they, at first when you see it, you're like, oh, this is the Char and Sela thing. But as the show goes on, they're not Char and Sela. They're Mayo and Linda. You know, mm-hmm. they actually established their own so they, their own identity. So, so like Chris said, it's, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a clone. It's kind of a, they're copying some elements. 
but then they're establishing their own thing in the same way. So, so basically, they, they, they divert on their own pretty much path, and the show becomes its own entity by the end of the series. It, uh, it, it, it's, it, it starts oh, off in the... It's, it's its own series by probably, I would say, like, episode, what, once they get down to Earth, Chris, I yeah, would say? Yeah, once it gets down to Earth, it really starts yeah. going a different direction. Yeah, so. which, is, which is like episode, what, like 16, 18 or something like that? Maybe That's a little bit. That's pretty cool. That. So, Peter, what are your thoughts on, on Dragonar? Um... Pretty much what you guys covered. That's just a fun show. It's got nah, Mecca are pretty cool. Uh, I I really like the uh, opening sequence. Was, that part was actually directed by uh, Masami Obari, who is one of my uh, favorite Mecha yeah. designers. Yeah. So oh, the first one or the second one? The first opening. Yeah, Obari, the um the the, the director of the Fatal Fury movies and um Gravion. He's also Gravion. Yeah, but that's true. Holy. That's awesome. I didn't know he didn't know he had a hand in it. Yeah, he had a hand in some of the mecha designs. So I guess that's one. The mecha designs are pretty inconsistent. Like one episode, you'll have the uh, you'll have the D one looking like something out of First Gundam, and then another episode it'll be like it came out of some sort of mecha OVA. Like, yeah, it's true. Yeah, you'll see, you'll you'll see like especially in the art, you know, sometimes the 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 D one looks like a Gundam type mecha, and then you know in other art you see it in this like muscular looking Obari style. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. more Scottish. There's some also, like, oh, go ahead. There, there are like some like and some real fun moments where like the the, the one part where uh, they're at at the pool inside the ship or whatever, and then. Oh God. <laughs> They see the girls in their swimsuit, and oh Jesus, yeah. Kane's got to hop in the water to hide his. Uh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> and then yeah, it's... there's some like great stuff in the mecha combat. Like I remember this one time where the D1 picks up a boulder and smashes it into this guy. <laughs> was... Or what about or what about when uh, uh, when Kane has to go get trained for the 36 chambers? He goes through the 36 chambers. Because uh, he's trying to fight that dude, and he's um, he's got to learn how to fight with the sword. Wait a minute, this is the show that becomes um, Fist of the North Star, isn't it? So, somewhere along the way, Fist of the Dragonor. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's got some it's got some uh, parts of it. It's got some parts of it with um, uh, the thirty six chambers too. Because when nice. he goes and he, he's training with this guy, he puts him pretty much through like the thirty five chambers. Yeah, that is freak. Yeah, that is sick, man. And yeah, the, uh, the, the the one mecha. What, what's his name? The Gil Gilgamesh. I was just going to mention that Gilgamesh, yeah. which basically is sort of like the Dragonar equivalent in terms of size, like the Psycho Gundam, which yeah. has the most ridiculous weapon ever and literally gives new meaning to the term cock rocket. Yeah, <laughs> is it because it yeah. has a big cock rocket? Yeah, it's a cock missile. I, I really love that thing. I thought it was like really awesome. That's like a final boss mecha. Or like a, a mid mid boss mecha, it, it was eventually the final boss, but like it, it was pretty cool. Like you got this huge thing, and then you got your other metal armors that are pretty dwarf fighting. Like that's when like really good animation comes out when that thing's around. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It, it, it has like a dumb weak weakness of if you line up against it, it can't lock on you. Yeah. Right. The fight, like the final fight with it, could have been better, I guess, but it it was still pretty good. Good, cool. With uh, the the double team on it, yeah, yeah we're not uh, giving out too much away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just fun. I really liked how instead of like um like getting all worked up about like having to fight like Amro or Camille did, like the guys are uh, they're using 
the fact that they're pilots to pick up chicks, pretty much. Yeah. Like that, that's more or less their motivation for fighting is that they're trying to impress the girls and get paid. That 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 yeah. that seems more down to earth than a lot of other shows. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And then the, and the, uh, the ending was pretty good. I felt that the epilogue was kind of a little bit tacked on. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, okay, it's over. Then okay, here's a little epilogue here. But that was still pretty good to see like where he goes and. I really liked how um, when the Dragoons are introduced, you could actually see the difference that they made. Like, yeah. in, say, First Gun, when the GM introduced, they were still getting the crap blown out of them. Like, it's like, like when I was watching, it was like, okay, now we have these GMs, but there still doesn't seem to be much of a t- turn in the tide of battle. But as yeah. the Dragoons are fielded, like, you, they show scenes of them, like, kicking Giganos off the earth and stuff. Like, you definitely see the, the, the effect that the Dragoons had on the war. Yeah, it's true. That is true. Cause, it's pretty um, well equipped for Grunt Mecca, too. So. Yeah, because they were very close to the um, uh, to the actual D1 yeah. when it came to some of the abilities. Unlike the GMs, I mean, they were based on the Gundam, but the Gundam was still the more superior suit. Right. So. Another thing that I like about the show is that um, you see over time the, the Dragonars themselves um, kind of become inadequate. Mm-hmm. And they are very much unlike the Gundam in the sense that the Gundam was invis- invincible until pretty much the end of the series. The Dragonars get the crap beaten out of them, even by nameless grunts. I mean, there's this one battle on Earth where um, they're fighting some Gaganos pilots. You don't even see who the pilots are. They don't have names. They're not characters. And they beat the crap out of the Dragonars. Oh, and yeah. Completely I, blow them away. I've never seen that guy go under maintenance so many times in that series. Yeah. Oh my god, they were always getting rebuilt. Yeah, you see them breaking down a lot, and it really helps add some of that realism that, you know, they aren't super robots, they don't have main character plot armor. I mean, these things get just as beaten up by a big ace pilot as they do by the totally faceless grunt. So I and I guess, a, that, I guess that brings to the other thing that I don't know if we've said, though, that unlike the Gundam 2, these were not like an all-purpose suit. The, the three suits, the D1, the D2, and the D3, were all specialized suits, even though I guess the D1 was more of the RX-78 type. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. still kind of the all-purpose suit. Yeah, the it D1 still had sort of problems. It still had its problems. Yeah, against. Uh, yeah, it still had problems with other things. So. They don't. They don't combine, do they? No, no they, they don't. don't. Oh, okay. No. Uh, the, the, just I don't know where I got that thought from, but. <laughs> No. Maybe you saw some funny picture, but you, know, you got the D1 that basically is your general purpose RX-78 suit. You've got the D2, which sort of is like um, right. gun tank, heavy armored mobile suit type thing. And then you've got cannon. the D3, which is the uh, reconnaissance unit. It has yeah. a big old radome as its head. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't oh. even have a head. It's got a radome. Oh, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. interesting with the uh, D3 that they did, when they decided to dismantle the Dragonars like halfway through the series that they didn't dismantle the D3 because they said, oh, there's so much special stuff in here that we can't replicate it, so we're going to just hang on to it. And I also like, too, that, um, you know, like we said, the, um, the, the Dragonars, they, you know, they would get the crap beat out of them, but um, even though once they went over to the Earth side, they were an advantage for the Earth side, but not for very long. Yeah, it wasn't like you know the Gundam or any of these other things. So it um it, it it's kind of interesting how they kind of take the idea, the concept of Mobile Suit Gundam, and kind of turn it a little bit. And you know, it, I can see where they were trying to make it the franchise to replace it because it it you know it, it's 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 got a lot of uh, a lot of points in there that. That um, 
you know, kind of point that way. But, you know, it's, um, it's a very fun show, though. I mean, I think anybody that's a big fan of mech anime, super real, whatever it might be, um, would enjoy this show a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Another thing. it's... Go ahead. Another thing I like about the show is that you get to see uh, the growth of of these guys as as pilots and soldiers because when they start off, they completely suck. They have no skill. They're just like basically pressing the fire button over and over again. (laughs) They're horrible soldiers. They have no discipline. They don't give a crap about anything. They do things the way they want. And by the end, yeah, you see them, you know, grown into actual experienced pilots and and actual capable soldiers, you know, who who you know lead people into battle. So it's I was good just about growth into that. I was just about to ask. I was how was the character development? But you pretty much just you summed it up right there. Well, you know, they do grow as characters, and, it, and it's interesting too because they do something that you think they would have done in some of the well, like they did it in Zeta, but in like Mobile Suit Gundam, yeah, they didn't do it. Where with these three guys, yeah, they were crappy pilots, they were horrible soldiers, but they assigned a person to make them into good soldiers, oh, even though. Man. Even though they didn't want to do it, they assigned this, you know, this like kind of like sergeant, you know, this drill sergeant type of guy that's just, you know, the career, the career enlisted man. And, you know, he's just good at training, but he was there. And even though he's hard on them at first, he even learns that, you know, the best way to get through them is through different ways. You know what? It sounds like to me that um, I haven't, I haven't uh, if it hasn't been obvious to the listeners, um, I have not seen Dragon R, but I'm hearing a lot of similarities in this show. And ironically, um, Die Guard, where um, I don't know. Maybe that maybe D- Dragonar was a huge inspiration mm. on the people who did Die Guard, but there are there's some story faction story fact factors here that kind of remind me of Die Guard as you guys are describing it, like the um, the guy assigned to the to group to, to shape them into better pilots. And well, the, the the kid from Guy Die Guard though he was he wanted to be a pilot. Yeah, he did. these guys don't they didn't want to be they just wanted to hang out. Well, just just minor minor yeah. similarities. Right. Like, that, that's pretty that's minor. Good. I wouldn't have connected it. Yeah, on my own, but. I think once you see it, you'd probably say... i probably eat my words. Well, spoon I don't the know fork. if you'd necessarily eat your words, but it's... Um, but, I mean, you know, those were kind of the interesting things that they did. And, I mean, it, it was kind of... It was kind of nice to see them kind of gradually because they gradually became soldiers. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like all of a sudden, oh, I'm a soldier, you know. <laughs> and, you know, they, they didn't have anything where they were like, you know, believe me, the Earth Federation didn't want these guys piloting these things because yeah. they were terrible. They would go out there and get them blown up. And, guys in the you know, all things did better jobs than they did. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Because they suck so badly. Uh, another thing we should mention about this show is it was directed by the late Takeyuki Kanda. He's best uh, known for uh, some other classic shows. He did Bifum. He also did uh, Mellow Link, and he directed the first half of uh, 8MS Team. 8MS Team. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This was one of his uh, sort of like signature sunrise shows. But, I really like that uh, one episode when they're in the uh, in the space station with that exiled Gigano soldier guy, and he kind of <laughs> oh, like yeah. helps shape them up as soldiers, so they're kind of like chase around the space station here, and they're like fighting them and stuff, but they get stuck in like the food container storage place and yeah. zero G and they're just like throwing beer cans at each other and yeah. <laughs> like shaking oh, it up hilarious. and taking off the tap and it just like shoots the cans out and the guy's got like a steel pipe and he's just randomly swinging around trying to knock these beer bottles out of the way and they're throwing like dinnerware at him and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was just laughing my ass off of that part. Yeah, you, it is a show where it, it, you will just sit there and you will just laugh and and 
still be entertained and, and, and still at the end, you know, have pretty good action. And, you know, you're like, oh, wow, the story got advanced. You know, it's just not. And, you know, the campiness just isn't there just to be there. Like, you know, like Peter said, you know, they, they run into this exiled guy and he's kind of goofy because he's exiled. And these guys are goofy, but it was kind of a thing. They actually, like, learned from this guy because, you know, they have a conversation with him and everything. So it's, um, it, it's, it's a really unique show. I mean, um, I don't know if I can I speak for myself, but I don't know about Chris or Peter feel the same way. It's like, it, it's one of these shows where it's like, I've seen this before, but yet this is a lot different than, than I really haven't seen. I really haven't seen anything too much like it since. So, um, you know, that's kind of the way I felt. I mean, you just, you always, it was one of those ones where you'd end an episode and you're like, man, I can't wait to see it. And not just because of like suspense, like they did a cliffhanger. It was just like, wow, you know, I just want to see what these guys end up doing next. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, uh, I, have a, I have a couple generic um, opinions of the questions I ask of you guys. Um, how, you, how would you guys rate the music in the show? Uh, oh, the. Only um, if you guys can remember <laughs> the score. <laughs> Um, I, pretty typical, you know, sort of stuff. Yeah, the 80s. The 80s, you know, right along the lines of its contemporaries like, you know, Votomes and Zeta and Double Zeta. So, you know, good, mm-hmm. solid stuff. Uh, not much about, about the, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the music that really sort of knocked the park out in this show. Like, but, like in Zeta or Double Zeta before it. You, but, um, it, had the, it had the kind of typical music that once you heard a, a, a melody come up, you knew something was going to go down, mm-hmm. even though... I mean, it was a typical 80s show where it's like, oh, here comes the battle music. Oh, here's, you know, this music. Here's death music. Here's, oh, God, I'm sad music. Oh, so, man. I mean, but Mood. It, it wasn't Tone. anything horrible, but, yeah, it wasn't, it's not going to set the world on fire. What about, the, how would you guys um, rate the animation? Easily. Um, inconsistent. <laughs> inconsistent, really? Damn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then again, a lot of shows were back then. For the most part, though, uh, since it's Sunrise, I'd say it's about the same level as Zeta and Double Zeta. Yeah. Okay. And I guess my last question would be, how about the voice acting? Top-notch, as, as you'd you know, expect. There's yeah. a lot of voice actors from Gundam, but also from other stuff. So, you know, you got a nice, nice selection. Everybody seems to fit, so um, even the annoying people from, from Gungeon team. Uh, one thing I want to mention, uh, you know, just for, for shits and giggles, uh, Peter... Since uh, since we all saw this, basically the the Hong Kong version, why don't you kick out some of those uh, those choice lines of dialogue from the Hong Kong version? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember anything specific. Um, oh, fail. <laughs> yes, I fail. Uh, one there's there's one, and I have no idea how accurate this is, but it's just hilarious. Anyways, some Gigano soldier saying, uh, "We have sensors that are more sensitive okay. than girls. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. And, and and there's another part where these Gigano soldiers are snarkily saying, and I again, I don't have any idea if this is correct or not. Saying Kentucky isn't that place famous for fried chicken? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I watched the Hong Kong bootleg too, and it was that's you know you can watch anyway, so. It's it's pretty much decipher your, yourself some of the some of the stuff. It's not as bad as turn A. Oh my god! It's uh, it's it's you know it's pretty comical. Thank God there's been a better a better translation to turn A since. <laughs> but man, if you bring that up, that's. Ew. 
Anyway, um, but, but yeah. yeah. I guess any other thoughts on the show or questions or would have been interesting, uh, you know, if history had gone differently, uh, how yeah. how this show would have you know gone because it's you know it's a self-contained story, but I could also see how they would have continued it. So it would have been interesting if you know in an alternate universe we we could be watching you know Dragon R Double O right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it, it 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 did ha- it did kind of have it. I mean, the the show ended. But you did see that it was like, well, you know, if it was, if it did well, they would bring it back, and um, maybe it would have been about a light rebellion because uh, he got shafted at the end. He did. <laughs> should mention that, um, uh, you know, light. He he uh, he has a crush on this intelligence officer. Well, we found out later she's an intelligence officer, Diane, and uh, she's sort of like the hot older woman. But mm-hmm. uh, he ends up losing out in the competition of that to uh, their instructor Ben. You know. Oh. Whereas on the other hand, his buddies Kane. You know, Kane hooks up with uh, with Linda, Linda. and mm-hmm. um, Tap hooks up with this uh, kind of cutesy Rose. girl store named Rose. So unfortunately, Light's the only one uh, left all alone. And, and at the end of the series, even though she vanishes for like halfway through, uh, her and uh, and Ben get married. Yeah, but 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 uh, but Light will be all right because he's like. Um... He's the rich guy. Son of like royalty. Yeah. He's a what? He's the son of royalty. He's a really rich guy or something at least. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's like his dad was the prime minister or something, and like (laughs) every time they find out his last name, they're like, "Oh my God, you're the," and you know, so yeah. He'll he'll be okay. He'll be all right. (laughs) He'll be okay. But I mean, otherwise, otherwise, you know. Given that the, the the series has kind of lived on with kits and video game appearances, you know it'd be, it'd be nice if uh, you know an OIV got slapped out somewhere. It's never going to happen. Oh, yeah. I could certainly go for it. It'd be something fun to see. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not so impossible. I mean, we got like new Voltons will be and stuff. So who knows? Well, they they haven't done anything in 21 years. So uh... yeah, Voltons has had you know stuff made consistently <laughs> over the last two decades, whereas Dragonar <laughs> hasn't. So. Well, not, you, you never know. Yeah, you never do there, know. There's been more weird, weirder remakes, like suddenly a new jig. Like, what? Right. <laughs> so with that all uh, taken care of, I would just say if you haven't seen Dragonar and you like any of your real robot shows from the 80s, especially all of those by Sunrise, then you definitely need to check this out. We'll be right back with some more goodies on Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> Keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. This is uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With I'll go. Seventh installment of uh, Gundam Roundup, and we're going to be discussing this time uh, Mobile Suit Gundam uh, 0083 Stardust Memories. Um, actually, the second OVA that we have so far in the production order, and uh, second show that has been done or directed by uh, Tamino on this one. Um, just kind of a quick synopsis here we're actually. Uh, the story's based, it starts in the, the later parts of the One Year War with uh, some of the Xeon factions and 
seeing some of them that realized that the Battle of the Battle of Bow Crew was lost and that it was time to fight for another day. Uh, we're introduced to uh, one of the general or one of the admirals there, uh, Admiral Delaz, and he's basically saving um, uh, one of the top aces of the Zeon at that time, and Arnavel Gato, and he's you know telling him basically we need to come and fight again. So we kind of fast forward to uh, 0083. We're introduced to um, the Australia base. Um, actually, it's outside of where the colony that was dropped in the One Year War. And we're introduced to uh, some cadets there, uh, Koa Rocky and a Chuck Heath and some other guys. Uh, right not, too, not too important at this time. And their instructor, <laughs> South Burning. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually kind of interesting because this is one of the first times that we actually see uh, pilots being trained to become mobile suit pilots. So um, as, they're being, uh, as they're doing their simulated battle, uh, uh, a white class, a white base class ship comes in the Albion, coming in to deliver two new Gundams. So at that point, we're introduced to one of the, um, one, another one of the main characters, uh, Anina Purpleton. She's actually a demon. One of the one of the most hated women in Gundam, <laughs> in in all of anime, basically. Yeah. In all of and, in all of the universe, in everything. In the history of everything. Yes, but uh, <laughs> we are uh, we are introduced to her, the demon, the spawn, whatever, and she's actually one of the chief engineers on the Gundam project, and they're bringing in two new Gundams, mm-hmm. uh, zero one and a zero two, and, aka the Metal Gear. Yeah, <laughs> and the zero two is actually unique because it is able to fire a nuclear weapon, which all Gundam fans would know that Gundam uh, nuclear weapons are actually banned by the Antarctica Treaty oh, no. that was signed during the One Year War. So that's kind of debatable, but we'll get to that later. Whatever, yeah. But um, we get to see that um, uh, all of a sudden we're inter- back introduced to Arnavel Gato, and we see him that he's actually posing at a, as a Federation officer. And it seems that he is on a mission, and his mission is to imagine this, Gundam Jack a Gundam, <laughs> which he does. And unfortunately, Excuse he me, I the- need this. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how classic that was, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he actually takes the Zero Two, which is the one with the nuclear weapons capability. And I don't know why the Federation did this. Um, the what made it actually even worse is the fact that not only he bought there, not only that he stole the um, the Gundam with the nuclear weapons capability, they had a nuclear warhead uh, loaded on it. Oh yeah, so. cocked and primed. <laughs> exactly. So as and at the same time, Zeon remnants start there and attack the base. Cohen, Burning, and 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 Chuck are you know, and and their fellow squad mates are pressed into action. They're pressed into you know trying to receive the Gundam, and we get to see the whole thing of you know guys that haven't really seen battle before. And mm-hmm. There's some losses. There's some you know. There's some big time growing up. And next thing we know, that uh, Federation headquarters is charging is actually uh, telling the captain of the Albion, and we're introduced to him, a Captain Synapse, um, that they need to go and recover Zero Two. So they bring in these other pilots, um, some one-year war veterans, um, Mancha, or the, or the other two guys. The other ones are irrelevant. They don't, yeah. they don't matter. Uh, their names are Baden and Adel, but Mancha, yeah. I swear to God, that's like one of my most hated Gundam male characters ever. I cannot stand top, that guy. On top of that, he has to have his NASCAR slash porn mustache. 
he, he does do that, but let's just kind of get through the synopsis real quick. No we can hate on these guys. But uh, these guys are brought in, and Ko actually wins through a bet to uh, Pilot Zero One, which mm-hmm. is the remaining Gundam. And we go through some adventures. They're tracking the Xeon remnants down. They actually track them down to Africa. Uh, we actually see, just like we did in Double Zeta, there's still a lot of Xeon uh, remnants in there. Um, they launched the Zero Two up into space with, with Gato, and we're kind of told that there's some big grandiose plan. And uh, later on, we were actually introduced to that because, um, because of the, the peace that normally um, that, the, that the Federation has been saying that they've had since the One Year War, yeah. I guess there's been some issues with Xeon remnants and whatever. And to kind of show their power, they did this uh, naval review where they're actually going to just show the ships of the fleet. And during this thing, we actually see the we actually see the Xeon remnants that are up in space. They attack, and the Zero Two comes in and fires a nuclear missile right in the middle <laughs> of the uh, ship review, basically vaporizing pretty much 80, 90 percent of the fleet. So Xeon pest control. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So we get to the point of this is. This is going on where, you know, the Federation's in chaos. Uh, the Xeon, you know, we get introduced to Admiral DeLaz that we saw in the beginning of the show, and he's basically saying that he wants to reestablish Xeon. We get into that point. Um, all of a sudden, they're, what is it, they're going to be firing Axis? No, not Axis. They're a little gonna... too early for Axis. Uh, they, they colony <laughs> jacked. To com- the colony jacked. I'm That's sorry. Right. Excuse sorry. me, I, I need this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we get to Your see something town. that happened again in uh, uh, actually original Gundam was at Colony Jack, and they're threatening to drop a colony again on the Earth. Oh. So we get to, you know, basically the Albion's put in the position of they're the only ship there that has the power to, you know, repel this, and we get into a big battle. We're introduced to some other kind of colorful characters like uh, Seema, who oh, yeah. we actually find out is uh, one of the, uh, she was actually responsible for the original Colony Jackings in the One Year War, and uh, she's kind of like an her and, and her kind of minions are kind of like the outcasted Zeon faction, if that's, you know, even more so than, than the regular Zeon factions. Never made we're sense actually, to me that, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So we're actually introduced to briefly um, some other characters that we recognize. Uh, um, Haman's in it and her father's in oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, her father actually dies during the show. Passing on the power of the surviving Zeon forces to Haman. Good old Maharaja. Yeah. <laughs> so we get that. Um, and Don't forget get, uh, Jamitop and Basque. Oh, yeah. We actually get introduced to Jamitop and Basque in there also. Um, they're still kind of mid-level officers, mm-hmm. but you can see that they're part of a faction that is ready to... Because we actually see in the show that there's actually a divide between the Federation faction, that there's yeah. some that just kind of want to just bow down to the Xeon and some that just want to just wipe them out. Because ultimately this story is pretty much the reason why the Titans yeah. were formed in the first place. Right. 
Yeah, and and that's that's one of the cool aspects of the show to me. I think it, I think that's that's to me explains a lot that happens in Zeta. But just to finish up the just kind of the the plot synopsis, we get to a point where there's a big battle trying to prevent this colony from hitting the Earth. Uh, Zeon Federation factions are fighting. Then you bring in kind of the Sema forces because she kind of kills the laws, and there's all this other kind of little bit crazy stuff going on there. And then we get to uh, while we're in the colony, uh, we get the big bombshell of uh, we had we had heard about her earlier, Nina Purpleton oh. and Arvo Gatto and Co get kind of inside the colony to try to stop it. Mm-hmm. But we find out because during the course of the show, Co has got kind of a thing for Nina, whatever, and we find out that she actually had a thing with Gatto beforehand to help develop the Gundams. Candy say she shoots them, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of like there's a big battle. Um, this big plot hole. There's. <laughs> There's a bunch of things where files are deleted and, you know, things are stricken from the official history. All the files regarding the 01 and the 02 were actually introduced to, like, the 03 later on. Oh, yeah. And everything dealing with this whole incident has been stricken from the Federation history. And at the end, we see Azaku walking down Galgoog, actually. at the same bay. Oh, was it a Galgoog? Galgoog? I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's right. Raku is and we see. We see a Galgoog walking down the same base that we did before, and Ko and Captain Synapse were basically thrown in jail for this whole incident because uh, it was kind of a black mark on the Federation. And all of a sudden, Nina drives up, and Ko is like, Hey, you <laughs> shot me, and I was put in jail, but I love you. So, kind of fiend on the plot. But so. yeah, did you, you you only saw Ko there smiling. You never saw them like reunite. You know, it's well, just that, that was the black dude. They were playing like the they were playing. The freaking, they were playing the freaking love song. Yeah, oh, whatever. The end thing. All, so, uh, all I know the, the ending I envision is him pimp slapping the sh- uh, the stuff out of her face. <laughs> so anybody anybody out there sees. Anybody out there thinks that my synopsis was kind of kind of sparse and kind of choppy? Well, that's kind of like the last couple episodes. Yeah, so. the show is. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, um, plot holes to be generous in this show. I, I I will now put it to the panel. Any thoughts, questions, comments? I have some uh, thoughts. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, I, I rep- I'll acknowledge the representative from Miami. <laughs> Okay, anyway, um, thing about, you know, uh, 0083 is, and I think it's in huge contrast to 0080, 0080 was sort of a small character drama where 0083 is sort of like the big flashy guns, you know, you got sort of like the 90s rock music, you got really nice animation, <laughs> really nice uh, mecha designs, it's sort of basically the top gun of Gundam, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of style, not so much on the substance, oh, um, I enjoy like 0083, you know, for the basics of its story and for the action and the music, which is all great in the animation, but yeah. uh, every single character in this show stinks for the most part. Oh, yeah. what about uh, Gato? I agree with that. Gato's a robot. <laughs> oh, dang it. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's cool, but I, I can see that, and I, I've yeah, actually is, read that before. He is kind of nice, but, but uh, here's here's the thing. Ko, uh, not very inspiring as, as, a, as a main character. I mean, this guy's not a trained soldier, but he's more of a wuss than Amuro was at the start of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I was gonna say that. He pretty much sucks as a pilot throughout the whole show, and even at the end, he still loses to Gato when they have their final duel. And the only time he ever got the upper hand was that one battle where the G5 
GP01 and the GP02 pretty much destroy each other. That's his only, like, shining moment. And even yeah, then, he was just so stupid that he's standing in his cockpit as the damn mobile suit's exploding, so how much of an idiot are you? Uh, he also obviously <laughs> doesn't have the best taste in women choosing a, a, a monster uh. like Nina Purpleton, which, if anyone recalls episode four of Gundam, they, they know my intense hatred for her, so... Oh, uh, number one. You know, Unsha, I can't stand the guy. He's one of my most hated Gundam male characters. Oh, uh, he's terrible. Chuck's all right, and I guess we should note for the record that he's soul bros, that he's his man, Chuck Keith, right? Oh, that, oh that's yes. my man, Chuck. Man. Yes. Come on, man. He got, he got, he got with the Amazon. It's he, on. He, he is the Saji <laughs> uh, rival's character of 003. He's Although, Cy Argyle. I of all of Solbro's men so far, uh, this one's the least losery, so I give Chuck credit for that. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's a lot that goes unexplained here, and, and some stuff that just doesn't make sense. For example, uh, the disdain that Gato has for, for Sima and her forces because they were involved in colony gassings makes absolutely no sense to me because uh, he was a fanatical supporter of Garen and yeah. was the one yeah. who did all of these nasty things in the war. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. You know, these colony gassings were a well-known thing, and the colony drop was a well-known thing. It's not like this was a secret. So it's not like even like if you use World War II as an example, you look at the Germans and you separate, say, a Wehrmacht ground pounder soldier from, you know, someone who was in the SS, who yeah. was clearly in on lots of nasty things. You know, these colony gassings were well known by everybody, so given that Gotra was so mindlessly devoted to the ideals of Garen, I don't see why they have this disdain for Seema. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, obviously, you know, she's a turncoat because she sells them out to help the Federation. Um, what I do like about the show you know, there are some bits that lead into explaining Zeta Gundam, and like Paul mentioned, you know, we see, uh, you know, Jamitov and, and Basque, and even though they're mid-level mm -hmm. officers, you see they're part of a conspiracy, and they're already planning things, and by the end of the show, the Titans are formed, and we see them yeah. using it, you know, to to their uh, to their benefit, and as has been the case in, you know, history plenty of times, and you can just look at most recently 9-11, whenever there's some sort of big, you know, national disaster, it's the perfect time for extremists to run in and push through all of their extremist policies that they could never push through during normal times. So yeah. even gives, which gives the series more relevance today than when it came out, at least to, you know, to the viewing audience here in America. You know, it, 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 gives, it, it still keeps that, um, it has that edge to it, thanks to the, um, the terrorist acts that were invoked in the show. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, so you definitely see the, the laying of the groundwork for what becomes, uh, you know, Zeta Gundam with the Titans doing all sorts of nasty things. Um, overall, you know, the, the plot is, is pretty decent, you know, it, it, it kind of meanders and, uh, you know, the fact that there's two directors on this show might have something to do with it. Uh, there are some plot points that, you know, also are problems like, uh, you know, the sudden love triangle with, uh, Gato and Nina and Ko, which makes no sense at all and is... That was, that was completely out of left field when the first time I saw it, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but, the, like, the first time I saw it, I'm like, where did this come from? Yeah, on top of that... It, 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 you, of course, it was introduced in the latter half, but I mean, it completely blows. It, I mean, there's there's at least one thing that that bothers me is the fact that when Gato first showed up in Jack the O2, that Nina didn't even know who he was. Well, she didn't make any reference to the fact that you know, is she? You think she clearly saw his face? Because there's, how could she not? Well, he was like all the way across the hangar, so I could I could explain that away as you know, she couldn't yeah. see his face in the distance. Plus, he was in a Federation uniform, so why would she expect yeah. to see her ex Zeon lover? in a Federation uniform. But anyway, the whole development mm -hmm. of it, it just comes out at the very last second, and uh, it's just really crappily done and really... Shoehorned in. 
Especially since, you know, you don't really buy the romance between Ko and Nina to begin with because, I mean, frankly, she's just such a bitch. I mean, she just, <laughs> like, like in, you know, this one, and I know you guys know the scene I'm talking about where uh, he's trying to, like, ask her out to the movies. Oh. She goes from being nice to being the ice queen in a split second. Oh, yeah. It's like, she, why does any, why would anybody like this girl? It just he, makes and, no sense at all. And he's so indecisive. And he's just so, oh, you know, he's just. He's just one of those guys you just want to punch. I mean, he's me. When 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 you watch, <laughs> when, when when you watch the show, you just want to punch the TV. Yeah. Because you're like, he's I mean, a, as as petty yep. and Toast. as and as you know, as whiny as like an Armuro or a Camille or even like Akira Yamato were. Yeah. He's just so unlikable. It's like, oh. And you those know, guys just, eventually manned up. Even, yeah. Even Kira, I have to begrudgingly. Yeah, he did. They all yeah. manned up. But Ko was just like, <laughs> But you didn't, you didn't feel for him when he got shot, when he got shot at the end? No, because that's at what all? he gets for, for falling for such an obviously screwed up woman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You get what you deserve. Oh. No that's sim- poetic justice. No Hilarious. Sim- <laughs> <laughs> well, what about... um? What about my man South Burning, man? What about what about him? Um, he's the only. He's the only. And he was. I don't. He was I, don't the, I don't know. One of the better I characters don't know more in the series anymore that you got to say there, Chris. But my thing is, I pretty much agree with Chris on most of the points he brought up because I feel the same way. But when it comes to some of the characters, the only ones that really come out to me are uh, Captain Synapse. Yes, sir. And and South Burning, mm-hmm. even though yeah, those guys are that, they gave that poor man the most ridiculous death. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> the plan is boom. He find he he finds a briefcase floating in space. Oh, what is this? Oh my God! What is this? <laughs> what I think is kind of so. sad about Double Eighty Three, just to add to that point about the characters, is that um, the background characters, the ones who really get the least amount of screen time kind of interests me more than the main ones case in point oh, yeah. uh the first officer of the ship uh Passeroff, the guy yes. gets barely any screen time uh there's also the cute operator this chick with purple hair named simone mm-hmm. yes who you know has a few lines here and there and eventually she becomes a, a titan at the end of the series you know people Even like the helmsman the helmsman guy yeah the helmsman guy <laughs> the, the whiny helmsman guy those people interested me more and yeah. you know they have just scant seconds of screen time here and there every once in a while so that that i think it just is a testament to the the failing of the character element of the show that those people interest me more than you know the main characters that the show focuses on well right. speaking of one of the speaking um speaking of one of them um at the end of the show in the epilogue it talks about the fact that captain synapse was um jailed and does it say he was executed this is something that's come up a lot over the years yeah it's uh, it's actually in uh, the liner notes for uh the the laser disc and it does um if uh you search on mecha talk there is a topic where uh, this came up and there's some pretty uh, detailed information about what exactly he uh you know would have been charged with and and all of that it's not specifically mentioned in the show which is I would think something important like that should be, but no, it's yeah. it's not mentioned in the show. Because don't they, don't they show him in the end, like putting on? He walks through the door, but leading onto the bridge, and everybody else is standing there on there with him. And well, you they see show him in the back, the and ba- they show him from, from the, the back, back, putting so on his putting on his jacket, yeah. his, his Captain Picard jacket, man. <laughs> 
I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like executed my ass. He's right there. I don't Unless think, they like. Are, are you sure that was Synapse? I mean, are you talking about that shot where the, you see like everybody getting dressed up as Titans? Yeah, yeah but I don't they show a gray hair. Don't think. That's, I don't think that's Synapse either. You don't yeah. think that's Synapse? That probably my. That was probably Jamatov or somebody. It's definitely not Synapse because oh. Synapse did not become a Titan. Dude's dead. Oh. Yeah. He's too dead to be a Titan. <laughs> oh, that sucks, man. He, he was wow. I, I thought the I thought the Titans had at least one redeeming person in besides Emma and the and the dude that got killed and what thirty six is eight. <laughs> oh, uh, oh. Addis Aziba. Yeah, uh, yeah, Addis yeah. Aziba, man. And machine. <laughs> and and that's it for the decent people in the Titans. <laughs> there was there was also Emma. Oh, well, you know, I, I I mentioned her earlier. Besides Emma and 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 the dude that was um yeah. But anyway, yeah, you're right. And um. It sucks. And, of course, the crew of the Albion, which makes me wonder what happened to them, but we'll never know. Probably all got vaporized <laughs> by grips, too, so that they're conveniently removed from Gundam history. Oh, wow. <laughs> At least I would hope that's the fate that awaits Muncha, to just be one of those guys, those dumbasses uh-huh. on the ship. That just totally got blown away in the line of fire of Grips Two at the end of Zeta. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I actually wish Mancho was one of those poor guys in the overpowered GMs when uh, at the beginning of Zeta when um, <laughs> Char and uh, you know Roberto and, and Opoly attack and. Oh no! The it's a red mobile suit. Yeah. These I, GMs I, I, suck. Ah. I kind of wish he was the one that like hit the ground and bounced up. <laughs> but. Uh, Oh, that, that's that was some sick stuff too. Oh, there was. I mean, oh, like like the dude that got blew up in the cockpit, where you see like his hand like fly apart, his finger like just. Uh, I, I I'm sorry, I just happened to catch it with my um, with you know just just my subconscious is like you see dudes in the first episodes of Zeta like just completely getting dismembered in their cockpits. Like yeah, that guy. But anyway, oh, back to double eighty. Yeah, yeah. Any back other double eighty uh, soul bro? Well, um, let's see. Uh, there's there's the ending where you know. Dumbass Nina shoots uh, shoots Co and I just I, I don't know uh, who I don't know who is the staff. If you writer. didn't hate her before, you hated her then. I, I, I mean, you know it's what? like I, I like Seema more than I did her, and and that and that's a stretch. My girl Seema. Yeah, I, you know what? Seema <laughs> had some redeemable redeemable qualities. Freaking Nina had none, none at all. I, and I, I can't say I didn't like every character in the show because there were some characters I liked. I liked Chuck. I liked Chuck's girl. And I her whose name escapes me right now. The the big the big Amazon girl. Um. Oh yeah, there you go. And um. Seema was kind of cool. The, as she was sort of like a like an evil uh, Millie a genius. Yes, yes yeah. she was. Because she was the ace pilot with the green hair, and but she was just an evil, nasty woman, and oh, she reveled. In, she reveled in it, so that made her more redeemable and more interesting than 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 that demon Nina Purpleton. And her crew was the um, her crew was the uh, the village people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were the village people. <laughs> she had she had the freaking couch with like the the lion skins on it or something. Oh. Some crap like that. It's like I don't think that's standard Z on accommodations or or oh, standard fuck. uniforms. All these beefcake guys with like cut up. <laughs> that ship was that ship was straight bohemian. <laughs> she had the, yeah, she had the couch on the bridge. I, like what I is she? Sea Rock shot on. I, I, I forgot. Exactly. That was what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's where they got the uh, thing for her. Because, oh. But um, other than that, that was like that was pretty neat to see a Zeon ship that was like that. It was just so unorthodox. But um, 
forget what else. Uh, but for the most part, I, I, I can't say it was a bad show. It just had, it was inconsistent. Um, you can definitely tell the, the difference between the first half and the second half where, the, where kind of the reins switched hands. And for the most part, it's definitely not the best example of a Gundam OVA. If I had to rate between, at this point in time, rate between the two OVAs, which one was better, I'd still lean towards 0080 than this one. Even with the boy love. Even with the boy Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. Um, who, you made, you, you guys made joke about the ambiguity of 0080. I don't joke about it. I'm just joking about your AMV. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any ambiguity in, in the show at all. I'm just making fun of your... your, oh, your I, I don't think so either. But Hilarious. Yeah. But what about the ambiguity of when Co... We, we haven't mentioned um, another character in the series that shows up momentarily. Kelly... Um, what was his Kelly, last name? Kelly Laisner. Kelly Laisner. Oh, <laughs> oh, one arm dude. We, remember the scene where they're build, rebuilding that mobile armor? Oh, and they oh, got the oh. cheesy the, 90s music playing? And it's a love song. And these dudes are just working on... They're, they're working on macking uh, this machine out and they're playing this romantic love song. The, the, the reason why I didn't say that is because <laughs> I try to block that out. <laughs> Uh, Kelly had a a uh, you know a, a long suffering girlfriend, girlfriend, yeah, who threw stuff at long- and yelled. <laughs> Boy, did she suffer! But uh, Kelly was a cool character. I just I just wish she was in a better show. He was the but- the token uh, Rambaral type. Yes, <laughs> you gotta have one. The senpai. <laughs> The enemy sem the honorable enemy senpai. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Peter, any any thoughts on uh, carrot memories? Um, I don't remember. It, it's been a while since I saw Double Eighty Three, but I definitely remember some of the main points. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, I have to agree. The characters are pretty crap for the most part. <laughs> and, uh, Damn it! They're not even crappy. They're crap. <laughs> That's how bad so, they're just crap. When I think of 0083, I like to just think of it as setting up the Tetons, which it, it accomplishes that. Like, that's what it set out to do, so it accomplishes that. So it gets points for that. And then the Mecha. The, the Mecha are pretty cool, and there were some good fight scenes. And So I definitely high those. I pulled those through two parts of it in high regard. Everything else is pretty bad. So as far as this character is concerned, you know, uh, Sorbo's got his man uh, Keith there, but I have my man Karius. Karius, uh, oh my god, are, are you oh, kidding me? God, are you kidding me? I thought he was pretty cool, I don't know, he's, he's got his right hand man there, right, so... Oh! <laughs> the guy's in all of, like, five minutes. I know, but I, I, I just liked him for some reason, so... Well, he was, he was alright. So he's okay, but... He... So, uh. my man Karius there, and he gets the survival be- to the end, so... He was, he was better than Ko? <laughs> Got the get out of jail free card, so that that certainly is yeah, he did. pretty good oh, for definitely him. Did. Um, I really like the uh, GP 2 I liked how like it was really bulky and it was just pretty different from other Gundams that I remember seeing. I forget at what point I saw Double E three, but anyway, so I thought the GP 2 was pretty cool, and I liked the GP 3 Like it had all that huge ass weapons platform, right? The dim- the dendrobium. Yeah, the dim- yeah, the I, I can't it. And <laughs> what about the Neo Zeal? The New yeah, that was pretty yeah. cool too. The New Zeal. Yeah. And uh, I, I lament for the poor uh, GP04 that got turned into that uh, the Gabura Tetra. <laughs> I, I lament for that thing because uh, you know uh, Gundam's Encounter in Space for the PS2, the Gundam Gabura is unlockable, and that thing is just wicked. Ooh. So uh, yeah, but unfortunately, it got turned into the Gabura Tetra, which. Uh, Probably the most satisfying deaths was seeing Seema impaled on the uh, <laughs> Dendrobium's cannon and then just blasted. Ooh. 
Yeah. And I gotta, I gotta, you know, make a, a little knock on the GP Zero Two as awesome a design it is. You know, this is the show that started the sad trend of, oh look, what a coincidence! The evil-looking Gundam is the one that gets stolen by the villain, and the yeah. red, white, and blue one uh, is used by the hero. Gee, isn't that interesting? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But then, They're taking the time to repaint it like they did in Zeta. <laughs> so, yeah, as much as I, I've been, go ahead. Yeah, I got Like, I didn't really like the guy. I thought he was kind of annoying with his fanatical Zeon love there, but he, he did have some good lines, like, I'm the enemy, you idiot! <laughs> By the way, of, uh, boy love, I'm, you, you should have brought this up, Soul Bro. Um, what's up? Uh, what's going on between uh, Delaz and Gato? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're practically, like, circle-jerking each other, like, and, and uh, uh. even Mark Simmons knows about this, because he always brings this up all the time, and I agree perfectly. When, when Delaz says something, and he's like, he's like, ah, Gato, your words are like like a pure stream of water running through a river. Like what the what? The heck? what? Wow, I like, never I what? never did look at it that way. What? But what kind of a man says that to another man or to anybody? Your words are like 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 a pure stream of water or some kind of crap like that. But it's like that just sticks out to me as like wow, that's a really weird line. But, uh, you know, honestly, as much as I've been knocking into Devil uh, 83, I do think overall it's it's a solid show. Yeah, it's definitely, it does what it set out to do, so I can't hold that against it. It's got, you know, some great mecha battles. It's got nice animation, nice music. It's just some problems with the plot and, and characters. Um, of course, I can't say the same for uh, the compilation movie, Afterglow of Xeon. <laughs> if any of you had the disfortune of seeing that one? Ooh. I never saw that one. Ooh. I've seen it once. <laughs> Consider yourself lucky. What, what, what did you What did you come away from from that movie, Paul? Um, I, I was more confused than I was um, in the in the original show. It was like once again. I mean, I just to I know we probably sound like we're being real negative about this show. It's it's not a bad show, and you know there are some good things about it. It's just plenty of good things ec- executed correctly yeah. or, or the way that we want to see it but after goal of Zeon, i just it was one of these things where you just kind of you, you you press play on the on the dvd player and you're just like okay this is okay what what why are we here what yeah it's it's without <laughs> okay, a doubt we're here. the worst we just went from here we're here yeah yeah it's the worst complaint limit to, to give people who haven't seen this because bandai mm. never released it here in america which is fine by me because it's a piece of garbage <laughs> and even though i'm a completionist i might not even buy that but basically uh the movie starts with uh the albion already taking off yeah. from the base and it just briefly in flashbacks goes over everything that happened before that you know with the theft of the uh the gp02 blah 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 um i believe it skips the uh the africa episode where they're attacking the uh zeon remnants yeah that was the thing they never kind of under I never kind of understood why they were like all of a sudden in space, and that yeah, was they like... just they just cut they just cut that off entirely. Um, yeah. You know, they the whole thing with Kelly Lager that we mentioned before. They have everything with Co meeting Kelly and helping him, uh, you know, fix up the Valvaro, and then they don't fight. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, Kelly, you and your Xeon mobile armor that you're building to join with uh, the Delos fleet. See you later. Have a nice life. Bye bye. <laughs> like, wait, what was the point of? all of that if they're not going to fight so yeah yeah completely completely pointless uh so it's just roughly cut together and um you know at the time that this came out in japan it was came up before the last volume was out so if you saw this crappy compilation movie it kind of spoiled everything for you (laughs) and and even as a compilation movie 
even as a compilation movie, the only new thing that you see in this movie at all is there's like at the very beginning this one brief shot uh, showing the two space colonies that get colony jacked later on, just sort of like, hey, look at these things. That's Ooh. really it. There's no you know what? I don't sequences. <laughs> there's no fixed up animation. There's yeah. nothing. That's all that they threw in. That's literally like a ten second shot. Yeah, it, it's it's like uh, it's like they gave it's like they gave the whole show to somebody like an intern at yeah. Sunrise <laughs> and said, "Here's Adobe Photoshop or Adobe uh, oh, Premiere, Premier. and yeah. you're just gonna just 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 condense this into a movie." Oh Jesus! Yeah. Well, um, uh, the, you raised a good point about the colonies. I meant to mention this earlier, but um, doesn't that um the colony jacking in this series doesn't that explain um the fact that there's a colony on the moon? On in Zeta Gundam because yes. there's like the wreckage of a colony on the moon in the Zeta Gundam and it's from this operation it's in this OVA. One of them, yeah. Yeah, that that that's why that's there. And that's where you find Haro. Oh no! <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily that colony. I mean, there could have just been colony wreckage that the that they hauled from, over to the moon. Yeah. Uh, who knows? It 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 could be, but um, no, I think it was. I think it was one of the colonies. It would make sense if it, yeah. if, if it I think, was. But I, know, I think right. he is kind of correct on this. I think they were right, like right when I think Haman's father got killed, they were going to drop this, and I don't know. But we should probably mention at this point, which we hadn't. Uh, one of the the directors of this show is uh, Takashi Imanishi, who. Uh, came back again and uh, he's the also the director of both MS Igloo and the uh, the new MS Igloo 2 OVAs and uh, one thing that he's definitely done in both of these series that I'm not really that much of a fan of is the uh, the Nazification of Xeon yeah. oh yeah started off in 0080 but really just goes over the hill in uh, 0083 and uh, and um, even more so in MS Igloo yeah oh my god definitely but then, then again I mean the, the Gearing's model, you know, Gearing's, Gearing's always been modeled after Adolf Hitler. So well, that's that, that is true, but in the original yeah. series, it was all done with a lot more subtlety. You know, they didn't really yeah. like, club it over your head the way that eighty, yeah. eighty-three, and MS Igloo with like everybody has a freaking German name. All of the ships are named after like German names. All of the weapons yeah. have German names. Like, oh my God, stop naming every freaking thing German. I get the space Nazi metaphor without <laughs> to have like. Everything be freaking Germanified. Yeah, like even, I, I agree with you. Even even in uh in like in like in Double O Eighty when you when you had uh, you know the captain of that ship that was gonna go nuke the uh you know the the colony his name was uh, Van Helsing and, and he talks like in the English dub he's like yeah I understand what my orders are yeah it's like what, what, what are you doing no yeah. just stop stop so that's another that's that's another knock against double eighty three that uh, they kept going and going with the whole Nazi theme and just kind of clubbing it over your head a little bit too much and just being a little bit too obvious whereas Tamino definitely used a lot more subtlety when he talked about the Xeon in the original series and and Zeta yeah I see definitely that's very true and that, I, I can see what you're talking about there it's it that makes it kind of kind of creepy as opposed to um yeah and it gets even to, creepier by the time of igloo but we'll we'll get to yeah. that in like Ig- oh, oh yeah igloo's a different yeah, story like 10 more episodes oh <laughs> uh, but um i guess um what kind of any closing thoughts um peter uh i just have to say that i thought gato's uh last moment of glory was kind of like a waste yeah like, yeah. like what in dude, some ways he, yeah he, he, i thought it was good but yeah he, he slams the neo zeo into what a, a salamis class yeah, he just crashes into one stupid little Salamis. He's like, our little Salamis. It's like, okay, like, what are you doing? At least crash into the Albion or something. I mean, come on. Yeah, 
The ship you only been fighting the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually would have been a more fitting end. Would have been I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, if he would have took out the bridge or something uh, like that, yeah, that, definitely. That, that would have actually been, would have closed the door on that 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 crew. I think in a in a finer form than for them to just join the Titans, because I don't think that crew would join the Titans. But yeah. lo and behold, that's what happened. Just get rid of the Albion. <laughs> I mean, they got rid of the Great Phantom in that OVA too. So, and I I will say this: the Albion was a badass ship. I love that ship's yeah. design. Well, I would disagree with you, uh, uh, Adam, on on the the crew becoming Titans because if you look at Moncha, this is the guy who was calling yeah. he was calling them spacemen earlier. Yeah. yeah. And Cole's like, no, they like being called Space Noise. He's like, I don't give a crap. And he was beating the crap out of that Xeon that they captured, like breaking his fingers with those pencils. So that guy is exactly the kind of character that would uh, fit into what the Titans are looking for. Very true. Yeah, Yeah, that that is true. I mean, he, as, as when you watch that show, you're like, even before you knew it, you're like, he's the embodiment of the Titans. Like, you can see him being, and, at the end, when we saw him get into the Titans uniform, you're like, oh, that's appropriate. <laughs> it's like, you know, th- this this guy survives all this mess just to become, you know, something hateful like that. Yeah. I guess he, he fit he fit he fit very nicely into their into their um in their kind of soldier. But my closing my closing thought is I'm just glad Cole left the service because of all the pilots, he did not need to be near a Gundam. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, when did he leave the service? I mean, he he goes back at the end. Well, he, 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 just, he was just in some backwater base, so... Yeah. Yeah. I thought... I thought I, I, God, this shows that I need to watch the show again. I thought at the end, in the epilogue, after he got released from jail, or from the stockade, he he, he just he left the service. No, he yeah. went but, to the, um, the Oakley base. He went back to... Wow. Well, yeah. Oh, well, dang. He was completely <laughs> yeah. pardoned because they like, wiped, the, wiped all the data, right? So he technically never com- committed any crimes. Very That's true. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that whole episode... I, I guess he went on to like become gone. known as the Unknown Ace. At least that's oh. what they call him in encounters in space, anyways. <laughs> and you play story mode, he's the unknown ace. And he should ace. stay that way. Huh. <laughs> All he really did with oh. the uh, Dendrobium or whatever is just Dendrobium. This will spam everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and took out that Zanzibar class. But, Co Rocky off the books. Yeah, but, it's uh, kind of sad that even that 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 he even needed to unleash tons of missile spam just to kill Zaku with the Dendrobium. What does that say about the dude's skills? Yeah. That's pretty bad, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. Bernie could beat him in a fight. Ooh. Ooh. That's Ooh. probably sad. Who's true? Who, who's going to argue with uh, Nobody. Chris, that's right. On, on that note, Chris, uh, any any closing thoughts uh, on 0083? Um, you know, just watch it if you one of the fans who haven't seen it by this point. I mean, it's worth checking out. It's a, a solid show. It's just not spectacular or anything. Yeah. And I guess that brings my closing thoughts, too. It's the same thing. Um, you know, uh, definitely support it. It's it's out in America. It's, um, you know, been out for a long time. It, it does it does kind of bridge that gap between uh, Mobile Suit and Delta, or actually Zeta Gundam. And, you know, it kind of actually gives some kind of context of why the Titans came to be and, and, and why at the beginning of Zeta Gundam we have some of the things that are going on. But um, other than that the, i mean there are some holes but you know other than it's it's still a pretty solid show so but uh this concludes uh, episode seven of gundam roundup and um next we'll be tackling uh, in the eighth installment break out your uh your tissue boxes <laughs> and uh break out your tissue boxes and your antidepressants because we're going to be talking about the show that man whew, the show endorsed by kleenex oh by the uh, by, the Xanax Council or something <laughs> is uh, Mobile Suit 
Mobile Suit Gundam Victory. Ooh. And if you guys haven't seen it, I would stress to you guys, watch it before you listen to this because you'll understand, you'll understand our pain. But um, <laughs> this concludes... Uh, and you might want to uh, shower. Yes, exactly. Let that girl in Casino Royale. <laughs> you know what? I, I think there was a point... I, I think that the episode after Usa's mom, uh, her head. Hey, was in the let's helmet. wait. Let's see what. Yeah. Next. I think that's. I think that's, that's when I cried. Without that little tidbit. Oh man. That, that's the dangling carrot. But um, carrot? this is the conclusion of. <laughs> hey, we got to keep with the theme, man. Dangling carrot. But um, this concludes episode, or uh, actually the seventh installment of. Uh, Gundam Roundup, and you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. We'll be right back. I'll be damned if I'm gonna clean up this mess! <laughs> Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Did you order the code God damn right I did! Welcome back to the show that befriends you harder than Starlight Breaker, Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> oh no. Today we'll be uh, taking a second look at the uh, anime industry as there's been some great changes since our last segment. And we'll be looking more at what it means for mecha anime. And which we, I guess, yeah, which we kind of glossed over in our last segment, so we're going to look at it more in depth here a little bit. And where do you guys want to start off with the uh, big one or... Might as well start with the big one. All right. Funimation Entertainment. <laughs> they are now, I guess, the gods of the R1 anime industry. They've, uh, masters. <laughs> yeah. So they've uh, picked up uh, most of Genion's titles. They'll be uh, doing the um, actual releasing of them, like putting the discs out. And uh, ADV also had a lot of trouble recently, and they had to drop a lot of titles, but... Funimation was quick to pick those up too, so so they've got uh, pretty much the stranglehold on the industry now. They're what um what what um time. what A list titles did they acquire just for, just for the audience to know? Like some of them, um, a lot of stuff they got, like most of the Ganyan titles they got the Helsing Ultimate, oh, um, Kikashi, Black Lagoon. Um, on the ADV side they got uh, Cannon. Um, what else did they get? Kero or Ginso, they're going to be really re-releasing Devil May Cry. Um, oh. <laughs> Glad I didn't buy that limited edition box set. <laughs> yeah. And of course, what I'm ecstatic about is that uh, Funimation did pick up Nanoha. So oh, what a surprise! Oh, no. Peter's excited about Nanoha getting picked up. <laughs> yeah, the first season box set is out on uh, November the 11th. So Shocker! Really forward to that. Did they, um, did they get Samurai Shampoo too? Um... No, I think those ones, they're old and released. They've been out on the they're market done. for a while, so they're not going to so touch that. No problem. So these were basically <laughs> stuff that was like uh, currently in production? Yeah, they picked up yeah. a lot of stuff that Genion dropped the ball on 
releasing midway okay. because there were you know all these shows like Black Lagoon and Higarashi, you know they were just in the process of releasing them and only released a few volumes before they stopped. However, they kept dubbing the shows to completion. Yeah, it's just that they couldn't actually get them out to the consumer, and that's where Funimation comes in. So nice. When you see the DVDs listed on the we- on like a website or whatever, it it is still credited to being published by Genion. It's just that mm-hmm. Funimations are the one that actually put it out. So Funimation nice. has no involvement in the actual like dubbing and localization of the series. It's just distribution. Yeah, they're, they're shipping it out the door. So it's still very much Genion doing everything. Yeah. It's so. it's kind of like how uh, how um, they set up a distribution deal with uh, Tokyo Pop to re-release the first two seasons of Initial D in yeah. box sets. It's still the exact okay. same. Uh, crappy American versions of Initial D that Tokyo Pop <laughs> just released by Funimation in convenient box set if you so I choose should, to buy their crappy American versions. I should know I own them. <laughs> <laughs> but man. You know, even though it's not really Mecca, I swear, and this is totally a useless aside, but it's amazing the sheer amount of Gundam voice actors that appear in Initial D. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it, <laughs> I mean, every, it's like every, every, practically every single main character, like racer guy, every character in that show has appeared at one point or another in Gundam, sometimes in starring roles. It's like, it, it gets really confusing when I'm watching, like, you know, Initial D, and it's like I hear all these voices, it's like, oh my god, what the hell? Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Brings a new meaning to Space Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just showed my initial D nerdiest. Thank you. <laughs> but um, what any uh, what else is on Funimation up to? I mean, did they have they gone over any of their um, plans for the future, or you know, any other future acquisitions, or just well, I mean, now that they now that they have all these titles, I mean, are we? In danger of it becoming another company that's going to overextend themselves, or you know? I don't think so because Funimation's been very careful, I think, to avoid yeah. you know the the trap that uh, mm-hmm. that ADB fell into, which is license ev- anything and everything. And and Adam, you probably mm-hmm. recall from you know MegaCon, um, you know, from the panel we were at that they were talking about stuff like you know if they offered something like subtitled only, they'd probably only do it over the web which lo and behold has become true so I think Funimation has you know because Funimation's uh, growth has coincided with ADB's decline but I think Funimation you know given their proximity and their shared talent pool of voice actors I think they've paid very close attention to ADB getting their hands in everything and spectacularly failing in everything you know from their music line to their toy line to their manga line to you know putting out tons and tons of crap anime that's like you know, garbage. If you look at Funimation, for the most part, almost all of the titles that they license are guaranteed hits. Yeah, that's true. You know, they got stuff like Subasa, they got Triple X Holic, they got Full Metal Alchemist. You know, they go after stuff that's bona fide success. Yeah, they have some, well, you know, mid-range stuff like Aquarian, but most of the stuff yeah. they get is stuff that you know, is known by the fans and is, you know, more likely to make some kind of a profit. One of the things I have to question about that, though, is their license of uh, Shiguri, which is, like, this really hyper-violent samurai drama that Madhouse put out. Yeah. And I, I was quite surprised they licensed that, because, like, how, how, well... I, you want to know, know why? Hmm? You want to know why they licensed it? You you said it yourself. Why? Madhouse. Or, well, Madhouse. I guess. <laughs> 
Madhouse right. is one of those, you know, those studios that's actually known here in America. So it's like, if it, if it has the name Madhouse on it, chances are it's going to get licensed for America because Madhouse is known for, you know, stylized, pretty-looking, ultraviolet, violent things. Mm-hmm. That's, As that's evidenced true. by them being well, used by too, so. every every movie studio. Yeah, by every <laughs> every like American movie studio using them for stuff like uh, Kill you know, Bill, Matrix. Well, Kill Bill was production IG. Oh, yeah. that's true. I'm um, sorry. I think Madhouse was also used on one of the shorts on uh, Batman Gotham Knight. It was I, used I, in I, two. Hold hold on one second. I yeah. think they're in it's the Animatrix too. You, you 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 never. I can't believe you didn't realize and Kill Bill. I, I, I the sl- second I, production I, credit for I'm Kill Bill was production IG. That was that was that was a that was a slip of my of of I, you know I, I slipped into Saji uh, would not be Saji happy. Saji I'm sorry. <laughs> should cut out for for speaking that. I should I should uh, be stricken from the show record. You should because <laughs> after we're gonna after, fire you anyway. So because after after vacate after production IG, it was. Riz, music by the RZA. Music by the RZA. So, <laughs> how did you not know this? What to you? <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry, I just but, I just um, had to call him out on this one. But yeah. you, sorry. Madhouse has been prolific. My main my main um my main uh, criticism against Madhouse, just on a side note, is that sometimes their television animation the quality is very 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 inconsistent, and um, which but bothers their the movie work is always uh, pretty. Oh, oh yeah. It, they 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 slated in Batman and of course the uh, Animatrix. They did do two segments in Batman. Production IG did too, and um, the last one was a Korean studio. I think they also Forcing. did that god awful uh, Highlander anime, <laughs> which as a Highlander fan I just saw. I I didn't even see the whole thing. I just saw. I can only bear to watch parts of it. And I'm like, wow. This is I, I, I watched the whole thing. But then I saw Highlander the Source, and it's like, wow, this is even worse. So maybe I'll give. Maybe I'll give the anime a second shot. But anyway, uh, yeah, the thing about animation is, aside from scooping up all of uh, you know the leftovers of Genion and ADV, they've also announced a whole slew of things of their own in terms of new licenses. You know, they scooped up uh, Romeo and Juliet, getting some oh yeah some more Gonzo since you know it's like generally it sort of become uh, the thing now that if it's Gonzo, Funimation grabs it. This isn't always true, but you know, they seem to get along very well. Uh, they scooped up Heroic Age, which I'm very happy to see, because that's a great, very underrated show, and I'm you yeah. know, looking forward yeah. to buying that. You know, they're doing the uncut releases now of One Piece, of which I am eagerly scooping up as they come <laughs> out. So they've got a lot of stuff on their plate. Uh, what else did they license recently at Anime Expo? And they just unleashed like a whole flood of, of licenses. Let me see. I, I have uh, a question for you, they Wait. probably have a nice list. What were you saying, Peter? Uh, I just have a real question for you quick. We were just kind of backtracked out. We were talking about some of the lessons, funny titles that t- titles that Funimation has got that might have more limited appeal. How, how do you think uh, Strain will get accepted over here? <laughs> well, Strain's a, a pretty good show that, you know, as I mentioned before when we covered it in The Women of Mecca, Unfortunately, just kind of falls apart at the end. So I think uh, it's probably going to fly under the radar. What will probably work in its benefit and get it some sales is the fact that um, it's going to be released all in one 13-episode box set rather than, say, you know, four individual volumes. 
So I think that'll work in its in its benefit. Uh, but looking at some other stuff here, uh, Funimation recently scooped up. Uh, I think this will be a huge hit for them. Uh, D. Gray Man. Yeah. Hey, that will be great stuff, actually. And they also they also got Claymore too, didn't they? Yeah. Earlier they mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. So they've they've got their bases covered. I mean, uh, I, I kind of gave up on D. Gray Man uh, recently, but. You know, it's one of those shows that is very popular in Japan. I mean, the the manga is like one of the top selling manga in Japan, and I just know that when that show appears here, it's just going to be as popular as Naruto and Bleach. It's going to slide in right there and appeal to, you know, that crowd. But you know, this time it'll be Funimation reaping the benefits instead of Viz, since Viz has both Naruto and Bleach. Yeah, so true. I think Funimation um, has positioned themselves to, you know, be big but not uh, be too big, whereas ADV just, you know, got too big too fast. And Funimation has slowly been building up because, I mean, 10 years ago, Funimation was the most reviled company in anime <laughs> fandom. I mean, they were hated just as much, if not more so, than 4Kids. And it's only three been... Ep- All I got to say is three episodes on a DVD for Dragon Ball Z. That's why they were hated. I'm so sorry. The fact that they're oh. so ridiculous, too. Oh. Well, it wasn't just well, that. It was the editing of the show, but that was more yeah. you know, Saban Saban. Entertainment's fault. So. Yeah. Yeah. Blame but, them. I mean, Funimation has you know, embarked on a you know, really big effort over those, these last 10 years to you know, change their perspective from just being you know, the you know, shitty kids company that releases... Uh, <laughs> Dragon Ball hacked up to, you know, one of the most respected and and fan favorite uh, anime companies. And it's been a long road. There's still some people who, who just hate them on general principle because, you know, they're yeah. stupid fanboys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I'm not really that big of a Dragon Ball fan. So back in the day, I didn't really care about Funimation one way or the other. But then as they started, you know, releasing more and more stuff and building their portfolio of, you know, stuff like Blue Gender and Fullmetal Alchemist yeah. and all these yeah. other shows... You know, I really started to take a close look at their stuff, and you know they've slowly started from those first few titles to being a powerhouse, but not in yeah. the same meteoric way that ADV did and screwed everything up. So well, that's that's well, definitely one thing. But um, mm-hmm. how much who cares be- about the? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, who cares about those haters? They don't buy anime anyway. Exactly. They, they, they're they're just you know grabbing everything on on torrent or IRC. So you know. Exactly. I don't listen to the complaints of people who don't buy anime because. You know, as much as I watch fan subs, I spend tons of money on anime. I have hundreds of anime DVDs, so I'm, you I'm know, right there with you. I support the industry. But um, another one that we definitely uh, need to talk about some more, uh, since this happened after that last segment, is uh, Bandai. So oh, what yeah. do you think about that, uh, Peter? Um, <laughs> I what all did they announce after the our last segment? I forget. Um, they had they announced the uh, broadcast on Sci-Fi, right? So uh, Gurren, or did we cover Gurren Lagann's broadcast last time? I think we did, but if you know, it wouldn't hurt us to mention uh, again now that it's on the air. Right, and then you got Gundam Double O that's going to be airing on Sci-Fi as well, and that starts coming out. Yeah, that'll be in November. It'll be after Gurren Lagann ends because. Uh, Gurren Lagann uh, just came back from a two-week hiatus, and they're getting back to the uh, the post-Kamina episodes. Oh, Kamina. AKA so, the point uh, ever we stopped watching it. It was the best eight 
episode show ever. Man, shut up. <laughs> it was the best 15 episode e- show ever. Uh. <laughs> he shows back up That's later on. So. Uh, and I'd release the dubs during Long and DVDs. I haven't been picking up those sub only ones. Oh, I'm gonna wait for the I'm gonna wait for the dub uh, the the I, dual I, language one. But you know what? I've been buying the sub only, so f you. Well, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, well, I'm holding well, out for of a Blu-ray, but there, there you the, go. I, I've been getting the them smartest really man here. <laughs> but here's what I think. Uh, this is actually I, as you know, as this relates to um, you know what it means for mecha anime. Since we've established that you know mecha anime is, is a niche thing here in America and only appeals to a certain amount of certain population or a certain breed of fan, uh, if you notice, uh, the top what are arguably the top three shows, the top three mecha shows of the last two years from Japan, are either on the air now in the case of Code Geass and Gurren Lagann, or will mm-hmm. be on the air soon in the case of Double O. And all three of those shows belong to Bandai. Yeah. And uh, I've seen personally firsthand that um, you know those three shows, in particular Code Geass and Gurren Lagann, especially Gurren Lagann, have massive crossover appeal to non-Mecha fans. Yeah. Oh. On on top of that, um, but uh, on a side note, um, uh, speaking of uh, announcements from Bandai, I guess uh, Code Geass, one of the aforementioned shows, um, is the second season got picked up by uh, Adult Swim. Yeah. To air air immediately after. Um, to air immediately it after uh, the first season. Right when they picked it up in the first place? Well, did it really? Bandai well, announced, yeah. they announced that they already had the license to R2. Yeah, but, along the with speed. Speed. but as yeah. far as what you mentioned, though, Solbro, uh, that has not mm-hmm. been confirmed. They just said that they're going to air R2. They didn't say that it was going to be airing immediately after. So, Really? Because I remember, well, maybe they retconned the statement, but I remember hearing that they updated it on a lot of the news wires, and they were saying that it, it picks up right as season one leaves off. As I, if, um, but, but I, I, mean, that, I mean, we're that, already that could, up to, uh, I think, episode 19 of season one. So mm-hmm. unless Bandai is like doing some rapid fire dubbing, I would not expect to see in six weeks uh, turn one of R2 show up. So that's uh, what I was going to yeah. I was going to bring up. Um, if it, I, if I, it I, is I, true. I know I know R, I know R1 is doing well. Yeah, because last week I watched when I was watching Adult Swim, they showed the. Uh, the ratings for the Saturday Night Block. Finally. And the top-rated show was Kogias. Awesome. So I, I wouldn't mean, expect to see two until like the spring when but, they have the lineup. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of with Chris. I mean, it, even though that sounds like it is kind of nice, but they still got to they still got to dub all those shows. They have to translate them. and They got to dub them to those people. So I mean, they could be currently dubbing. They could be currently translating it now. I, mean, I don't. I, I don't know. You know. I you don't know? doubt it, but. You know, yeah. to network when it comes to doing seasons of things. If you if you notice, um, they wait. They have they, a hiatus. They, they have a hiatus, hiatus. like with um, yep. with Fullmetal Alchemist. They didn't run through the whole the whole show right at once. Oh, that is true. And with um, Ghost in the Shell, they took you know time between showing both seasons. So true. I definitely would not expect R two until like say the spring when they'll announce a whole new lineup of like new stuff that they want to plug. So, yeah, because. Because definitely sense. isn't October, November, like kind of the dead season. Like you start going into the dead season of television, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, well, well in, no, terms that, that, of, in terms of live action, November is sweeps for you know live action yeah. shows, but that doesn't really okay. figure in that much with you know, that kind of stuff. A new show, yeah. Animation seems to do better during the during the summer months than it does um during the main TV season, from what I've seen. But I could because be, people can stay up late and don't have to worry about going to school the next day. Very true. Could I say Solbro might be ill-informed on this one? Oh, my God. 
Has the has the has the mantle passed been passed on to me? Maybe. He, ate, he ate some some funky pizza delivered by Saji Crossroach. Oh, uh, nice! <laughs> and it was delicious. Some of that mayonnaise squid pizza they have there in Japan. Probably not good if you have a sensitive stomach. But back to my main point. Uh, you know, I've seen personally uh, lots of people who are not mecha fans at all watch a show like Gurren Lagann, and they absolutely fall in love with it. I can't count the number of times I've seen this you know, in person happen, and uh, it's just a testament to that show's appeal. Uh, Code Geass yeah. also, lots of people I know who watch it, not mecha fans at all, but they just absolutely love that show, and I've seen to a lesser extent uh, Gundam do that as well. Gundam is probably harder because it has the baggage of the name Gundam attached to it, and everybody, yeah. you know, everybody knows that Gundam is, you know, the robot show, whereas Code Geass and Gurren Lagann being, you know, new shows and new franchises... You know, aren't as it's not ingrained. Like if you, you know, anybody knows that Transformers is heavily about robots. Anybody knows that Gundam is heavily about robots. You don't necessarily have that impression with Gurren Lagann or Code Geass, especially in the case of Code Geass, where the fact is it's called Code Geass and not something like you know Nightmare Frame Lancelot. <laughs> well, the the other thing too is that um, I think the problem that Gundam has is everybody's looking for Gundam Wing Part Two. Yeah, and I, I I think that you know for whatever reason they've they've strayed away from that, and you know that I I think that's always been the thing because I think out there people know Gundam, they just when when you talk to somebody there's like oh yeah I love Gundam Wing, and it's like you know Gundam Wing's a great show, but you know there's other parts of Gundam that aren't Gundam Wing so. Which is why I think that you know getting to Double O being on Sci-Fi is actually uh, a big, big chance for the show because we've established yeah. in the past that Gundam gets no respect from Cartoon Network. Not a drop. Yeah. and that's probably due in part anyway. to you know Cartoon Network obviously not being happy about not getting you know as much of a cut from the toy sales as they used to, which was sweet during Wing, but not so good in Ooh. later shows. But the thing is, the game has changed. There's no more Gundam toys. For sale in America, they stopped doing that years ago. The game now is to, you know, tie in video games and sell those DVDs and hopefully those Blu-rays, which I think would probably fit a lot better with what Sci-Fi is doing. And, you know, by all measures, that Sci-Fi Anime Monday has performed well, and uh, I think yeah. that Double uh, O has the chance to reach a totally new audience because, unfortunately, in the case of, um, you know, Gundam on Cartoon Network, I think. Cartoon Network's mistake is trying to market it to the wrong audience. Yeah. You know, they you could see that with, with Gundam they tried to market it to the very young audience, like I'm talking like tweens and even younger. But yeah. it's not really yeah. meant for the audience. Not it's the slightest. Really, I mean it's really not. I mean the only not, thing that's you, really meant for that audience is stuff like S D Gundam Force. And Zoids. <laughs> but, but no, I understand what you're saying and um I just think that um I, I think with on sci-fi it's going to have a new chance to to jump off and hopefully hopefully um they'll give it all the respect that Cartoon Network used to because the last time I remember Cartoon Network really really going extra mile for Gundam was when Mobile Suit Gundam was just beginning and those promos were outstanding but yet they, that show failed and then everything went south so on yeah. sci-fi I I hope Double O takes off I'll, I'll be watching it I think if you and, market uh, it to the right audience you know the audience will come to it I mean yeah I don't think it's it's you know unreasonable to say that if you know, as a fan of both, if you like 
you know, action and you like uh, sci-fi drama and politics and you watch something like, say, Battlestar Galactica and you're open to, you know, animated things, there's no reason why Double O wouldn't appeal to you because Very they put along those same lines. Well, and, and, and that's why I think, um, you know, putting on something like sci-fi might be a good thing for that because um, the one thing I have noticed about sci-fi is they're pretty, they're pretty good about promoting it, but they're also... Not trying to like ram it down your throat. They're not sitting there saying, "You gotta watch this." You know, it's like we have this. This is something you might like. If you like this, you might like it. So. Except for when they're advertising those sci-fi originals of, you know, insert blank animal attacks. Oh, like, <laughs> like, like mosquito. Mosquito. Or the. the <laughs> all the B movies. Or, yeah. or, and, and, and I'm, you know, you can, you can call me a liar, but this is so crazy, I couldn't make this up. Uh, a movie where Coolio is an army guy fighting pterodactyls in Turkey. I've seen that movie. And is, I know is, exactly what you're talking about, and is, that movie is, is it's BS. Is, isn't Debo from Friday in there, too? No. Oh, man, that's, no, a, that's another one. Because if Debo was in there, then it mean his bike would be there, and it would make it cooler. <laughs> but no, it's not. Zeus? <laughs> no, no. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, sci-fi, that's my main beef against them, that, you know, they promote well, lots of crap, and, you know, they have all these horrible movies, like, you know, Piranhas yeah. 2, the Piranha-ing, or some stuff like that, and maybe something, oh, somebody can explain to me, because I've been struggling to find an answer to this for years. Why the hell is wrestling on the sci-fi channel? Oh, ECW? I have no clue. It doesn't I don't make know. any sense to me at all. I, mean, I think I know, I'll be honest know with that, that sci-fi is owned by NBC Universal. So with that in mind, why not dump it on like USA? I mean, USA used to have wrestling, if I recall. So no, they still do. Throw it over there. There's no reason for that kind of crap to be on sci-fi. Well, I, I think part of that is they want people to watch the channel, and I think the other part is is that probably based on demographics, some of the people that are watching like. Mansquito, The Awakening, <laughs> are, uh, are 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 watching ECW. So what does that I, what does that I, say about their level of intelligence, though? I, you know what, I am not I'm not insulting anybody on their level of intelligence or anything like that. <laughs> you can. I am completely because I'm I'm you, an elitist douchebag, as everyone knows. Yes, you're. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but no, I I just I I I honestly think that that's the thing. It's and. Like you said too, they own they own those different stations. I think they want those people to watch the stations too. So, um, but I guess I guess the big question would be, um, well, first off, is there any other big news that's coming down for um, on the Anime Pike here for you know any, any announcements or anything like that? Not really, because um, you know okay. Otakon was pretty disappointing with uh, the lack of announcements, given all the stuff that came out of Anime Expo. So. I guess they blew the, the season over. The con season. I guess, I guess. I guess the. Um, I guess the big thing would be is, do you guys do you know, the the four of us feel that this is a good thing, I mean, and 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 somewhat, is this a good thing or a bad thing? What some of the things that are happening. You mean the other uh, overall kind of passes to you guys and some of your thoughts on this because, uh, I, I have a few thoughts on it, but you know I'll, I'll pass it to you guys real quick to see. I, you know. think, I think we live in exciting times right now when it comes to the anime industry, you know, in the United States. And um, 
when it comes to Funimation, you know, they made great choices when it when it came to acquiring titles from you know these companies that are failing. What I, what I'm wondering is, um, what will become of ADV? Uh, will they become eventually absorbed into Funimation? Because Funimation seems to be growing, you know, by leaps and bounds, and ADV seems to be struggling. I remember hearing something about um, at a at a convention they were just people at ADV were just you know liquidating whatever they could sell um, at, at what was it anime. It's either Acon or um, one of those conventions. Acorn. <laughs> one of those cons. They were just selling like all their all their third string stuff just to make money. And you know, I I, I love ADV. I mean, I know a lot of people have um, problems with them, but you know, I I own a lot of DVDs, and I, I felt bad about um, you know, when they overextended themselves and you know, are in the position they are now. But I kind of want to see them bounce back. I hope. I hope something happens where you know they can, and maybe they'll learn from their mistakes and never do it again. But as for the industry itself, I think I think it's great in Japan and America right now, save for you know the financial crunch a lot of companies are in. But that's what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I Deep guess I'll shot I, analysis, uh, Peter. <laughs> um, <laughs> the border. Um, what was I gonna say? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I think we're definitely like Funimation's definitely picked up the ball, and they're they're definitely like taking the steps that they they feel they need to do to improve the industry. Like we all know, like that the past few years, everybody's been running around screaming that the sky has fallen and all that stuff. I definitely think Funimation is taking the steps to like kind of quell some of that. I mean, they're pretty successful or at least they're looking pretty successful right now, as soon as they start releasing some of this stuff, well, that remains to be seen. And uh, Bandai is definitely doing their, their part, too. And uh, what, I, what I really want to see more of is more uh, dy- dynamic marketing schemes. Like, you had, when Bandai first licensed the Melancholy of Harvey Suzumiya, they had, like, that, like, secret website that everybody's wondering what they were going to do with it, and then it pops up, and it's, like, all this crazy stuff to promote the show and like they gave Kion his own uh, MySpace page and stuff and then um, <laughs> that was pretty fun and then uh, so it was like Funimation when they first licensed Claymore they did it in such a roundabout way that I kind of like shocked it in and it, if, I, if I remember right it, they had like a secret video or whatever and then you watch the video and it's like this guy taking you around Funimation HQ and all of a sudden, like, he's in some video room, and then there's a, a, like, small little TV in the background that says Claymore on it, and that was, like, the hidden license that you had to look for, so it really gets, like, the person involved with it, and, uh, like, Funimation's release of uh, the uh, Balder Force OVA has this little thing, it's like, caution, watching this, this show is so awesome, your head may explode, and it actually had, like, an exploding brain on the picture, and, like, if you actually watch the show, people's heads do explode in that show. So I thought that was, like, pretty clever. Like, they tie in more with, like, what the show is actually about instead of saying, oh, hey, here's this new show. Look how awesome it is. You should watch it kind of thing. Yeah, I agree with that, especially the the part about anime websites because, uh, for the most part, most uh, anime websites in America are complete pieces of crap. Yeah. They're, they're just, like, that. like one shitty promotional page that has, like, a brief blurb about the show and like a trailer for for volume one, and that's it. Yeah. And they just yeah. throw that. What they just slap that page up, and they just leave it there to rot forever. Whereas yeah. you yeah. look at um, you know any Japanese website for a specific show, 
like for Gundam 00 or for Code Geass or anything, and they're like a detailed treasure trove with tons and tons of information. I mean, this is the digital era now, but, you know, a lot of these companies, they're just thinking like 10 years ago. And yeah, yeah. Um, I think another thing, and this is, is a very important issue, is the fact that, uh, you know, the anime industry is in a big state of change right now. And one of the problems is they're trying to appeal to two generations of anime fans simultaneously. And yeah. I would group in one generation, uh, you know, people like myself, uh, Neo, Solbro, as people who grew up when anime was very scarce and when mm-hmm. you could actually find some of it and actually buy it and have it for your own, that was like a rare and wondrous thing. No matter what the show was. Yeah, <laughs> no matter what it was. And, um, you know, you have this newer generation that's grown up in the digital era and especially with digital fan subs where, you know, they see anime as something totally disposable and they just download it, watch it, and delete it. And, you know, the thought of, of spending money to buy anime for them is like, well, why the hell would I do that? You know, they don't view anime as a commodity, and they're just used to this gimme, 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 now, 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 now. I mean, you've, I mean, it's become, you know, sort of the standard thing now that something's out in Japan, and within 24 hours, it's subbed, and... Hold on a second. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, you know, as I was saying, it's become standard that, you know, something airs in Japan and in less than 24 hours it's already subbed here and if something yeah. takes longer than 24 hours to sub you see people, people complaining all over the internet oh where are my subs <laughs> whereas you know when I was coming up you know in the 90s yeah. as an anime fan it's like if I could find something on videotape that had come out like five years ago that yes. to me was like wow this it is was like oh my god I got this and this is only 13 months old Oh my god, yeah. this is the most awesome thing ever. I was like, I found episodes 6 and 7, but I'm missing 9, and, and, and they didn't even finish subbing the show. But you know what? I'm happy with what I got. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to I'll sound like it. one of these like cliche, like, you know, in, in my day, we walked 7 miles in the snow to school. But, I mean, this is just, I'm talking this is how it was 10 years ago. Yeah. And things have just changed so dramatically, and there's this whole new generation that knows nothing of that. And they completely take for granted that... You know, there were days that you'd walk into, like, you know, a Specs or a Sam Goody or something, <laughs> and um, you'd find a very small selection of tapes, you know, and there was yeah. that whole scheme the anime companies had for $20 dub tapes and $30 subtitle tapes, and all you could find was, you know, like, the ultra-violent stuff, like Ninja Scroll and Wicked City and Fist of the North Star. And, Resurrection. Yeah. And that's all you were limited to. You really, really had, like, nothing to watch, and when you got fan subs back in those days you know you had to like get them in a comic shop or order them from yep. some website you get this tape yeah. and you have this like ninth generation VHS copy where the picture's all <laughs> waggly and the sound is horrible and it's all fuzzy and it's like dark oh my god this is horrible but at least I get to watch the show whereas you know, these days oh, it's I'm... all HD rips and broadcast rips yeah. and it looks just as good as the DVD Oh yeah. As, as someone who worked in the industry of, um, of of the storefront, I won't mention the chain you used to work for, Chris. But do you believe um, the advent of DVD attributed a lot to the, the the growth of the anime industry in the states? No doubt, because um, you know, even even before DVD, you had sort of this fractured market where it was sub versus dub. Yeah. You had, and it takes up space. 
you know, if, if I have, like, say, five volumes of the Slayer, five copies of the Slayer's Volume 1 subtitle, mm-hmm. and then the same five copies dubbed as a retailer, that's wasting valuable shelf space that yeah, I could use against exactly. something else. Whereas, you know, with, you know, the advent of DVD, which made everything magically dual language, well, you get double the shelf space if you think about it. Because now yeah. you have that one DVD of the Slayers that, uh, you know, is dual language and has both. So you don't have to, you don't have, to uh, have that as an issue. And, of course, I know myself and a lot of people, you know, back when I was getting into anime and I was a poor high school and college student, uh, <laughs> 10 bucks is a lot of money. Especially yeah, when you totally. have an addictive habit. So uh, I pretty much exclusively bought everything dubbed just because yeah. it was cheaper than, you know, shelling out that extra $10 every volume to get something subtitled. So Exactly. In some cases, they were great dubs, but, I mean, it just came down to being an economical issue. And um, definitely DVD is something that allowed some, you know, anime to, to grow. And by the same token, the Internet is changing that equation. Uh, we've had, you know, just in this last year, what would have been unthinkable, you know, uh, Gonzo, you know, subtitling their anime and releasing it simultaneously for free on a pirate website like Crunchyroll. Yeah. Oh. Which I will publicly state my disdain for. Sorry if you, <laughs> if anybody likes them, but I I don't. And well, the, the, the thing that I see is this is just another example of just kind of the evolution of business Definitely. when it comes to things. And I think that we were seeing a new media in a lot of ways that became very popular. And you had a lot of companies that tried to cash in, ADV, Genion, whoever it might be. And they thought that as long as we can release stuff, as long as we're releasing something every week or every month or whatever their release schedule was, we're going to be successful. Well, they found out that just releasing something doesn't mean that it's going to be successful because people are wanting quality stuff. Because like Chris said, Back in the day, the only things you got to see were some of the ultra-violent things, but all of a sudden we started getting, when DVD came around, we started getting some of the more stuff that was the more story-driven, whatever it might be. And, you know, once those things dried out, they started just releasing one thing after another. I mean, I don't feel sorry for ADV. I don't feel sorry for Genion. I own a lot of ADV. I own a lot of Genion. But you know what? The, the stuff that I own from them is quality stuff. Yeah. But I used to see all the garbage that they would <laughs> put up there. And I mean, not, no, not necessarily Genion, but ADV put up so much garbage. It was ridiculous. And it was just like, you know, if you're just going to put up crap that people, you know, people aren't going to like, and you're, and you're just banking on the fact that, well, it's, it's Japanese anime, people are going to buy it because, well, they bought this, they're going to buy this. It's just not going to work, and I applaud places. I applaud, you know, companies like Funimation that sit there and said, you know what, there's a change that's coming. We're seeing the change. We're forward thinking. I mean, part of being a successful business is being forward thinking, seeing things that we don't see, you know. And you know, like we said earlier, they were the scourge of the industry. <laughs> now they're now they're the shining example of you know doing everything. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, in some ways, I think this is very good. I think this is good because it's going to show that, you know what, American anime companies, you need to release good stuff. 
Yeah. You know, you you don't need to release, you know, garbage. You know, yeah. you know. One man's trash is another man's treasure, but this, you, you know what though? But but when it comes down to the whole thing, though, um, you know, if it, it, if it comes down to something that's going to sell you sell you nine hundred thousand copies as opposed to a thousand, what you going to do? I mean, really, I mean. You can you can always do that thing of trying to appeal to everybody, and I think that's the problem that ADV had. They try to appeal to everybody. You know, we're not just the Evangelion company. We're uh, you know we do this. We have we have crap on this side. We have crap on that side. We have more crap here. Oh, by the way, here's Evangelion released again. You know, so it it's just it's just one of those things where, in a lot of ways, I think it's going to be a good thing, and I, I you know. Um, well, someone would argue. Someone would argue that um, Funimation does the same thing with Dragon Ball Z, though. But um, you know, they'll. I mean, granted, it's a property to be milked. I'll, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Dragon Ball Z. Uh, at least I'll, I'll tell you this much. At least they didn't try to reinvent the same story. At least they tried <laughs> to change the story. The original story of Dragon Ball is different than Dragon Ball Z. It might have the same context, but Dragon Ball GT is still different than Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. It's it's not. Oh. It's Evangelion. We're in you know, Tokyo again. Oh, Shinji, what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh, we just we just re you know we took Operation Mishima. We made it look cool the way it should have been, but you know what? You know, uh, why am I gonna buy this? Why am I gonna buy this? I mean, so damn. And, I don't know. And you know, but, another point uh, that I think we should mention is that you know whenever there's any new uh, medium that that appears it always takes the industry years to adapt to it and i say this you know as, as someone who's in the yeah. newspaper industry which if you're reading the news is pretty much in the toilet right now i mean if you look back um you know 20 something years ago when vhs was coming up you had uh jack valenti of the mpaa basically if, if you look up this guy's comments on vhs he basically like demonized this stuff i mean it sounded like you know just the thought of people recording things off of television that it would make okay movies completely worthless and blah 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 and look Never now did. look what happened yeah. i mean uh the you know the home video industry that was created by vhs pretty much saved hollywood i think it did uh, they have a second line of well, revenue well the other thing i'd have to say too is it's just like you just said earlier chris about the american anime websites they're part of this problem too because they they sit there and they, they glom on to some piece of crap anime. <laughs> and, they, and they sit there and they, you know, they try to force it. Oh, this is good. This is good. They're not broad-minded enough to say, you know what? I might like this, but there, here's a show that I may not like, but there's people out there that may like this. Yeah. They don't do that. They're all, they all sit there, and I'm talking at you, anime industry. They blow their load. American <laughs> website, webmasters. Because you sit there and you crap on everything. You crap on everything because it's not in your pretty perfect world. And you're part of the problem. And the other people I got to crap on to What's that? are the people that sit there and they download the fan subs and don't buy the show. Because you know what? I download stuff. Chris downloads it. Peter does. So does Adam. We're all admitted but we all buy it. <laughs> if it's something good, we're gonna buy it. Yeah, if I watch the show to the end, yeah. I have intentions on buying it. Yeah, you know what? If, if, if it's, it's not even that, it's it's. I've downloaded all of Double O. I'm yeah. gonna buy all of Double O. Oh yes. I've downloaded all of Kokius. I'm gonna buy that. If Macross Frontier comes in, I'm gonna buy it. Exactly. Ikitosin. I'm gonna buy it. You know, it's not a. It's 
it's just one of those things where, you know, they're part of the problem too, you know, and, and you got this elitist attitude that sits there and says, oh, well, you know, this isn't this show or, you know, it's not that. Or it's dubbed, you know, so I don't it's, want it. It's not dubbed or it's subbed and it's like, ugh, uh, it's like, ugh. Yeah. You know what? Get off your high horse because you know what? You're sitting in your parents' basement and, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, <laughs> Damn. You're just no, laying down hard. Only one. <laughs> no. Peter, you're, you're, you're sitting in your parents' basement and you're flaming on stuff that's just being, you're, you're just being douchey. Oh. I mean, you are. You're being douchey. I'm well, sorry. You know. But I'm not. As Chris douchey. laughs. A laughs. A, a, new, a new adjective. <laughs> but, no, I, I, I mean. I'm going to put douchey into Urban Dictionary. If it's not there, I'll look. Because. Actually, I mean, I'm going to look it up right now. Hold, hold on a second. That, 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 that's part of the problem. I'm sorry. I, mean, I agree. It, it, it is part of the problem. How many times do we go to these anime-only cons? Mm-hmm. And you got all these elitists, like, you know, it's like, oh, you know what, guess what? Death Note and Naruto and Bleach, they're great shows. I enjoy them. But I'm you know what? Not... They're not the only thing out there. I'm sorry, folks. I'm yeah. so sorry. I, I, they're not out there. Yeah. They're not the only ones out there. Listen to someone voice their disdain about yes. those shows. <laughs> oh, you know, oh so... dude, uh, Paul, I'm sorry, but you're, you're a little late to the party. Uh, Urban Dictionary, douchey. Having characteristics of or pertaining to a douche. Number two. Damn. Sucky. You know, the Padres sure are douchey. Dude, that was the douchey thing you just did. Characteristic <laughs> traits of a douchebag's attire or life. Describes actions that would lead someone to think you are a douchebag. You know what? I'm not looking for, uh, I'm not looking for a memorial or anything like that <laughs> on the internet. So it doesn't matter. The, the Urban Dictionary can take my word of douchey. No big deal. I don't have a problem with that. But, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes great minds think alike. and, and Yeah. Somebody about it on douchey to put seven different definitions of seven different entries. <laughs> and, and you know what? The, I, I give that guy the Neo salute. Well played. The Neo salute, I give him to him. Because that's going to be a new feature on... Uh, Two fingers of the on, sky. On, on Gundam and MHQ. The Neo salute. <laughs> but, <laughs> Sorry. Getting us back from, from Neo's angry soapbox rantings. Um, yes. I think it just boils down to... You know, the industry is in a state of change, and there's always a few years of correction when there's a new medium that's introduced. And, um, exactly. I mean, we have yet to see long range what things like, you know, subtitling anime and streaming it for free on a website day and date with the Japanese broadcast will do. Will that be popular? Will that lead to more DVD sales later on? We don't know because, in the case of, you know, the shows they have put out so far, like, uh, like Blast Rider and Draga. Well, in the case of Blast Rider, it's not even finished yet. And, you know, these other shows haven't even been licensed or released here in America. So maybe Gonzo is just doing all this for nothing. But, yeah. you know, we have to wait a year or two and see who else follows his example and, you know, what else will happen. But what I think is definitely clear is, you know, the industry needs to be more responsive and something that fans have, you know, always been demanding. And I can understand that given, you know, the now, 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 now state of the, you know, of anime fandom there definitely has to be faster releases. You know, the old days of, you know, a show gets licensed and then like six months or more likely a year later you actually see the DVD come out, that's just not going to cut anymore because there's just so much stuff coming out now that stuff that comes out, you know, now, today, in September 2008, a lot of it's going to be forgotten by September 2009. Very true. Pretty much. 
you got to get in on, you know, if there's popularity of it, if there's popularity for a certain show in Japan because the show is big, if there's popularity of it in the fan sub circles, you have to capitalize on it while that momentum is there. That's why, Strike if you notice, that. Hollywood, um, they've moved to a much shorter release window for movies on home video because back in the day, you would see a movie out in the theater and it was a year, a full, it was always at least a full year later that it would show up on videotape. Yeah. And it started going down as DVD came out to the point that, you know, it went down to like six months. And now in some cases, it's as little as three months later, you're yeah, seeing a movie on DVD or Blu-ray after it came out in the theater. And the whole idea of it, and, you know, you got to applaud the movie studios for wanting to do this, is they're getting the max out of that marketing window they created for the theatrical release. Yep. Well, an example instead of, of having is... to start all over again a year later and start putting it back in people's minds, like, oh, look at this movie, you know, that was out a year ago. You want to buy it on DVD? Example of that is this past weekend, or this past week on Tuesday, Transformers got released on Blu-ray. It was originally released on HD. Mm-hmm. They released it on Blu-ray. On top, on top of that, they I mean, this one. genius. On the top of that. At the end of this month, Iron Man comes out on DVD. Yeah, yeah, it's like, whew. and that that that's barely been out. Well, I mean, end of this month, depending on when Silver gets this episode done. <laughs> <laughs> the day the day the DVD comes out, it'll be it's this episode for it or after it. In, in the case of <laughs> that is our disclaimer. In the case of Transformers, you know that was due to you know the whole thing about Paramount, you know, running away from Blu-ray, right. going HD exclusive for a while. However, it kind of turned into a benefit for. Uh, Paramount because by putting out the Blu-ray now, you know, they can start uh, throwing out some of the pre-marketing for Transformers 2 Revenge of the Fallen, which comes out next year. So, you know, they can keep people, keep it fresh in people's minds. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. (laughs) Again with Bay. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Chris. No, it's it's okay. I I mean... (laughs) You know, just, the guy. I just mess with it. The guy redeemed himself for the most part with Transformers, but uh, I, I'm. He's gonna, responsible for Bad Boys Two, the greatest action movie ever. Bad Boys Two. At least the guys on Hot Fuzz think so. <laughs> and your, uh, and your boy from Yosemite uh, Austin, Aston. What was that dude's name? Austin. Austin, Austin yeah. our boy. Yeah, he loved he loved the bad boys too. But sorry, I digress. The ultimate hater. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, since since we're just going around like all you know, flying around everywhere, <laughs> any guys have any more points about you know anime industry and what it means for Mecca? Um, I got some about the you're talking about uh, Crunchyroll there and their involvement with Gonzo, and you're wondering uh, how well that would help the DVD sales, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I I think it like there's definitely like. I think it does would help kind of because um, when you watch it on Crunchyroll, you just have it on this tiny little screen. The quality's not that good, so it's definitely be more beneficial to get the like, the DVD releases when it comes out because it mm-hmm. you know it just generally looks better. And um, I know when when Draga and Lightsaber first started, like the episodes were always on there, and but as soon as like starting with Strike Witches, um, they only <laughs> you can only watch the show from, like on that Thursday. So like wow, between twelve and twelve, you can watch it, but then afterwards it, it's gone. You can't watch it again. 
But there's no. there's two things to keep in mind about about this whole thing of streaming the episodes. Yes, the DVD will look better, but there still are broadcast rips coming out from Japan anyway. Oh, yeah. Shows, despite being on Crunchyroll. And number two, and this you know as I already mentioned, is the great unknown. All of these shows like Strike Witches and Blast Rider and Draga, none of them actually been licensed by anybody in America yet. Right. Yeah. So, just, the the appeal is still there, though. The potential is there, but we have yet to see the actual result because yeah. nobody has stepped up and licensed any of these shows. So, I mean, right. we don't know if it's going to help at all. True. And well, also, it, if somebody does, if say say Funimation licenses Blast Rider, um, you know, like five months from now, because you know they they have the hard on for Gonzo. Um, Maybe by then the the whole buzz about Blast Rider will have been forgotten. I mean, there certainly was a lot more buzz for it when it started off than there is for it now. Well, well, the thing is, is and I guess this will go in my comments on what this is going to do with Mecha Anime. I think the problem, I, I think one of the things that Mecha Anime has had in the past is that it sometimes didn't always appeal to the you know the mid-level fan, you know, yeah. the, the, the broad-based fan. And I, I think what, that we're seeing that with the way things are now with the anime industry, we're seeing shows like Kogias and Gurren Lagann and, and even a, a Gundam Double O. Shows with crossover uh, on, potential. On a, yeah, they have a lot more crossover. And I, I, I think that, you know, the, the, thing, the key for the American anime companies is, is they're going to have to identify what can be brought over here. Now, I know that in one of the, um, I think it was, I can't remember what panel it was from one of these conventions this summer I was at, but it was, they were talking about how a lot of these, um, a lot of these shows are starting to have more of a mass appeal yeah. on the world. They're not as Japanese as they used to be. So I, I, I think, I think in some ways it's going to help, but I, I think, you know, you know, it, it's only going to take time and, you know, in my aspect, I think it's a it's a good thing that the industry is kind of contracting. I sometimes I think that it's better that they contract because it's better to get the quality out. And you know, with the emphasis of mech anime, it's just like completely. I mean, you know, a year from now when we do Gundam, we're going to be talking about the 55 different Kogias <laughs> clones out there, and you know, the 42 Double O clones. Because I think in a lot of ways they, they took a genre and they, they took a storytelling method and they've kind of expanded on a different point. And they're showing that, you know, because you can see like a Kokias or a Double O, they're more of a worldwide anime. They're not necessarily a Japanese anime. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Gundam, if you look at Mobile Suit Gundam, the first Gundam, Japanese anime that was made for, you know, Japanese folks. In 1979, you're going to watch this. You're going to love it. I Giant think, robots, whatever. I think Double the, O. Mm -hmm. I mean, Com in comparison, it's, yeah. it's 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 a worldly view because yeah. you're, you're. I mean, even the storyline is a worldly view. You're 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 looking at, you know, the whole world as opposed to, oh, it's just this isolated thing, the white base, whatever it might be. So, but that's kind of my closing thing on there. Any other thoughts, Zolbro? Not that much. I, 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 otherwise, I'll make this, I'll make this segment go on long. Uh, the one thing I'll say is, like, if you, uh, the, a little note to the anime companies out there, if you want to really appeal to the fans and, um, and, and get DVDs to sell, keep up 
packaging swag with your DVDs. I think that's I think that I think honestly speaking, I think that's probably the smartest thing you can do. If it worked for working designs. Um, and it, working designs no longer exists, so I know, I know that was the joke. <laughs> no, but no, seriously, um, I, I'm looking at the boxes for Gurren Logan and um, I'm sorry, more so Code Geass and how it comes with all these extra things. And it's like, wow, what a, what a great deal for the fan. Code Geass um, has some really nice features. You know, you have yeah, some yeah. dramas, you have the picture dramas, you have commentaries. I mean, that's like some real exactly. meat and potatoes stuff, not just some generic thing like a clean opening and ending or or. I'll be I'll be honest with you. I, I have that I have that first box set of Kogias mm-hmm. and I, even though it's you know the the videos are you know they're kind of secondary to me yeah. but what got me buying that was the fact that you got all the you know you got the sound dramas you got the the picture drama soundtracks whatever yeah. but also in there they have booklets where they're describing the exactly. year, the, the world that and I mean cool. it's like trivial things like I didn't even know that the guns in the Kogias universe don't use gunpowder I just I, found that out yeah, I just found that out. Yeah. Their cars don't have engines. They have engines in the wheels in the Code Gears universe. So and it's these, like it's like little things like that that make it. And these you are know, things. These are things you wouldn't know if you just download the fan subs and don't buy the DVD. All I knew is uh, Lelouch had a Gears. There was C2 and mm-hmm. you know Mom and you know other stuff going on Nunnally, and that's all I cared about. Even if it costs a little more, it is incentive to actually go out and buy those boxes. It didn't cost that much. And you know it's not even that much more. And I think that's a very smart thing. And I hope to see more of it. Quant- quality over quantity, I say, and I, I think that's the the best edge they can get. Um, they can they can give the buyer. But, but you- that's I'm done. You do have companies that like that package like panties with their DVDs. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Why are you the one that keeps the panties, Peter? Hmm? Put them on my head. Was that box, was that not a high end box set one with the panties? Um, I remember Shuffle had it, and I think Nagica oh, had it. Nagica Blitz Tactics. Yeah, Nagica did have Blitz it. had it. Oh yeah, heck yes, they did have that. None of those actually own the still. <laughs> and that's the did you buy it for the panties, Blitz. Peter? No, I, I, I just said I didn't buy any. I didn't buy it. Oh, nice! I just remember, and, and you know, you got people in the industry, like, go oh, the anime industry is sending out a bad image and stuff. So, I'm sure those people aren't too hot about packaging panties with DVDs. Well, they can just suck it. <laughs> <laughs> man, we're just, all, we're just, like, so angry and everything this episode, aren't we? Oh, man. We're yes, just, we are. It's full of spit and vinegar. Right. Please direct all comments to Chris Guanche <laughs> at mhq.net. You could blame him. It's his all is, it is all his fault. Everything is my fault at all times. For me, my, my closing message is one, uh, anime companies put out things people want to buy in a timely manner. And two, anime fans, if you actually like something, literally put your money where your mouth is, mouth is. And, and drop some cash to buy it. See, I agree. But all right, I guess that would kind of conclude this uh, segment. You want to bring us out there, Peter? Uh, I guess what what what, what Neo said. This concludes the segment. <laughs> <laughs> Great job! You got a real future in podcasting, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should market we'll yourself be- out to everybody. I get. I, I I'll sum it up for you, Peter. Uh, this concludes. Um, our thoughts on part two of the state of the anime industry. And uh, we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Right, Pete? Yeah. What do you think? All right. <laughs>
Son of a bitch, I'm right behind you. Turn around and ask me for help with cheese, yo. Why you gotta make me feel inferior because I'm on the grill, B? Goddamn! Next on level nine. It's almost like Grand Theft Auto to me, where I can just sit there and just go around with people with the forced powers by grabbing them and like, what, what? You crying? What? Yeah? What? <laughs> you can't do shit. There's you? no crying in yeah. Star Wars. You, you can't do shit. Especially when you get the Jawas. Actually, there is. Uh, what? What? Never mind. Like roll them on the ground and shit. It's like, are you gonna actually finish the rest of this game? No, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do? Huh? Huh? What? It's it's a renter. I mean, if you're still a huge Star Wars fan, a great story to it, though. I mean, it, this is the thing I gotta give Star Wars Force Unleashed. I like Star Wars episodes um, four, five, and six, folks. One, two, and three sucks. Thank you. They uh, they really made Darth Vader into a big ginormous. Hey, Bobby. Um, Thank you. Forced Unleashed by just playing the first level redeems everything that episodes yeah. one, two, and he three. He goes did back to, Darth to like ass he kickery. is the biggest that walks any Gundam planet he lands his feet on. Yeah, he will kill you. Do whatever he wants. Lie to you. Cheat you. Whatever. This is the Darth Vader I freaking remember. All right. Apology accepted. So it's like playing that, that was the line. It's like it's 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 worth it just for that. That man just freaking struts. Yeah. See, He's, that's all right. Big Wookiees come up. He's like, "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you." Hey, it's a little kid. Fuck you. The man was a complete dick. You might be the biggest perv in the world right now. What were you thinking? I couldn't sleep. I saw the doll. You can't wake me up to play video games or something? Didn't want to disturb you. You were balls deep in that turtle with a thumb in your mouth. I love my turtle. You see us uh, struggling in the car. You walk up, you open the door, and you say... You're lying, George. Oh, uh... Hey, you, get your damn hands off her. If you really think I ought to swear... Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear. The sun is in the sky, but I refuse to smile. Alright, everybody, thank you for joining us in episode 20 of uh, Gundam and MHQ. Uh, this is, uh, we're, only, we're only one away from being legal to drink in the oh, United man. States. We've already gotten loaded already in Canada. And uh, <laughs> with that, we just, like, we just <laughs> like to thank our uh, special guest there from the Great White North. Um, uh, he's known as Destiny Gundam on the Mecha Talk forums. Uh, just give a nice little shout out there, Peter. Uh, hey everybody! Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Way to go, Canadian pedo bear! Yes, and <laughs> you will be on the spot like that. And uh, you will hear some of his cutting comments along with myself, Neo, and Chris, and Soulbro. Yo, and we covered. Um, we returned to one of our anime spotlights, dealing with Metal Armor Dragonar. Uh, we continued with. Um, the seventh installment in Gundam Roundup, which is a Mobile Suit Gundam 0083 Stardust Memories. And our final segment tonight was actually um, part two of the State of the Anime Industry uh, discussion that we had a couple episodes ago. 
kind of following up with uh, the end of the, um, the North America convention season, uh, summer anime convention season ending. So um, we just, you know, had some other thoughts and some of the things that were announced during those times. So uh, I'm going to kind of put this over to Chris. Any uh, MHQ news that we need to know or anything like that, Chris, at this point? MHQ is closing down. Oh. Oh, why did you say that? <laughs> Effective retroactively. It'll already be closed in the past before this episode even premieres. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, this episode won't even be broadcast anywhere because the site will already be closed down. Oh. So, it's been nice. Uh, screw you guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> well, do. On that, on that note, uh, Solbro, where could you catch us on? Where are some of the websites you can catch Gundam on? Well, hopefully Gundam.net will still be functioning. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it'll be taken out in the, in the, um, in the whole, in the whole slaughter of... I'll <laughs> be burst from the internet. But um, Gundam.net, of course, MAHQ.net. And, of course, you can reach us by email at GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. So, uh, any closing thoughts, Chris? Anything out there that you need to let the folks know besides uh, MHQ closing? Yeah, other than MHQ closing, I don't care. No, seriously, guys, no <laughs> MH. Before everybody freaks out, because I know that when this episode airs, everybody's going to start freaking out and typing on, oh my god, is it closing? No, it's not closing. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke for kicks. Other than that, oh, there's no no news or anything special. Okay. Um, our special guest from the Great White North, Peter, Destiny Gunnam, any closing thoughts? Any things that you need to say out to the folks out there? Um, Nano is awesome. You should buy it. So say it's Canadian Pedo Bear. Give <laughs> <laughs> wow. a shot, too. Uh, Soulbro, can you um, follow that up with anything? Um, always bet on red. <laughs> always bet on red. Okay. Faster after all. That is true. That on is true. on multiple choice tests, if you have to guess, choose C. C. It's middle ground. Well, um, uh, along with myself, Neo, and Solbro and Chris and Destiny Gundam, I just want to let you guys uh, thank you for uh, listening to us, and we will be back. Uh, in a few weeks with episode 21 and I don't know what we'll be talking about at that point but uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about some more hard-hitting mecha anime of related topics and uh, if you have any questions or anything or any comments please visit us on like Solbert said the Mecha Talk forums or get us on the MHQ the Gundam at MHQ um, email address but um, that's it we're going to be out of here. Talk to you guys later. Thanks. Later. Bye. I'm impressed. You've chalked up some pretty decent points. Oh. I knew that you'd be able to do it. It's clear that you're very good. As expected. We're all very pleased with you. <laughs> you're totally cool. Congratulations, Ace. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. He looked around at his buddy. Sush. If this gonna be that kind of party, I'm gonna stick my hey. in the mashed potatoes. <laughs>